Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Portions of The Sports Fix brought to you by Harry Buffalo. Harry Buffalo, join the herd. Sports Fix listeners don't wait all day or all week to get in on the fun. The party doesn't stop when we go off the air all week long. The Sports Fix social media sites are your one-stop shop for all things Cleveland sports. Jump over to Facebook.com slash The Sports Fix. Facebook.com slash The Sports Fix and become a fan today because we love fans and they create some of the best sports talk in town, Daddy. You'll enjoy talking to your fellow Cleveland sports fans on The Sports Fix fan page. And if Twitter's your thing, well, you know how we do it. Tweet with us at the Sports Fix CLE. It's that simple. Twitter.com slash the Sports Fix CLE, baby. Chat live with the crew during all your favorite Cleveland sports events, tickets and contests and trivia and so much more. Get with us today, the Sports Fix on social media. Facebook.com slash the Sports Fix. Tweet with us at the Sports Fix CLE. Join the Sports Fix on Facebook and Twitter today. Hi, I'm Hector Marinero. You're listening in the Sports Fix. Live in Ohio, it's time to get your fix. The Sports Fix. Welcome, everybody. We are live. Sorry about the big, long delay there at the beginning of the show. I uh, apologize about that. We are having some technical difficulties here behind the scenes as we're having some trouble getting the show on the air just across a couple of the platforms here. I know some places are live, so we're going to rock and roll and get this thing going because 
that's what we do. It's live radio, and we keep it moving. So welcome in, everybody, to the Sports Fix as we get things going. Hopefully, you're able to hear us and enjoy the show across the vast spectrum that is the Sports Fix radio network. And as you can tell, I'm still fumbling around with a few things here behind the scenes. I'm going to attempt to troubleshoot as I get things rolling here. Once again, not sure uh, what the difficulty is, but there's some problems getting across Spreaker at least here. And it looks like perhaps tune in as well uh, in the early part of today's broadcast. So I'm going to do the best I can to get that rolling and get that fixed. And perhaps it may not be until the middle of the break. So if you're hearing me, that's great. And those are the people that I'm going to talk to for now until we uh, figure out what that is. So welcome into the sports fix. You guys, a whole lot going on hump day edition of the sports fix coming your way here over the next two hours, a whole lot going on. Let's look at the slate of guests here today coming up. Just about 25 minutes from now, my man John McMullen from the Sports Network, he's going to be with us here as we do the NFL thing. We'll talk all the stories going on around the latest with football and the latest the action this week, even with the Browns off. And we'll talk as they turn the page, prepare to come out of the bye week here and get ready to do the Tennessee Titans thing here. As you can see, I'm I'm struggling in the background here, trying to to get this thing working. But uh, anyways, uh, I, I'm definitely going to have to wait until the break to troubleshoot that one. But not only do we have John McMullen coming your way, Dan Wismar from the Cleveland Fan, he'll be here as he is each and every Monday and Wednesday. A lot to talk about with Dan. We'll talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes, preview Maryland here as the Big Ten season getting ready to kick off. All of that, so much more coming your way. We've got your calls. We're going to talk Cavaliers as the wine and gold scrimmages tonight. A lot of things. Let's do it. Let's rock and roll with this bad boy. Welcome into the Sports Fix. As I said, across the what is normally the wide array of the Sports Fix radio network, usually Monday through Friday, live at noon, right here on the sportsfix.net, which is the mothership, the home ship, the base where we kick things off. Many of you listening to us enjoying the show live across Spreaker and TuneIn and Mixler and their mobile applications as well. And, and, and see, you know, I'm telling you, I'm sitting here seeing the difficulties over here as we're trying to broadcast on Spreaker and tune in for you guys. What a what a what a frustrating way to get started again. But anyways, welcome you guys however you listen on Digital Delay, on iHeartRadio and iTunes and Stitcher Radio and SoundCloud. Those of you on Spreaker, you're going to hear the show anyway. So I'm just going to roll on and unfortunately, we will have to get the live broadcast fixed for those guys here. I'm just going to shut that out over there. Absolutely, Chris, we're going to talk Cavaliers here in just a few minutes as well. We've got a whole lot to get into, and we want to do it with you. So while I'm fumbling around getting things going, pick up the phone and give me a call. 216-539-7535, the number to call. 216-539-7535. If you can't get to the phones, that's all right. Pick up or excuse me, see, I'm all over here today. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter and email, facebook.com slash the sports fix. Tweet with us at the sports fix, C-L-E. Email us, the sports fix at AOL.com. Again, hit us up on the phone lines, 216-539-7535, 216-539-7535. If you can't get through on the phones or if you can't use your phones, hit us up on Facebook and Twitter and email Facebook.com slash the sports fix. Tweet with us at the sports fix, C L E. Email us, the sports fix 
at AOL.com. And uh, let's see, I'm going to reconnect over here as we're live. You guys can hear the magic as it happens. I uh, closed out the broadcasting uh, the way that we were broadcasting, opened it back up. So perhaps maybe we'll be live over there on Spreaker here over the next few minutes of the show. If not, again, I apologize. We'll get it to you. First things first, before we roll on here, um, I've got to put that in the rear view, unfortunately, and keep moving and deal with whatever is going on there during the break. But let's talk a little Major League Baseball playoffs. Things kicked off last night. I feel bad about the fumbling and bumbling start to the show, man. Like, that's not the way we roll here, but got to keep it moving. And the Royals kept it moving last night. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. What an, what an exciting, exciting way to kick off the playoffs and the run-up to the World Series here. Uh, if you're a baseball guy, if that's one, if that's your thing, or even if not, I mean, look at last night. The Royals and the A's and all the storylines that came into that. You had the two little guys going at it there. And uh, look at how that thing shook out last night. I know, I know Jeff Gorman, yesterday we talked to him, and he's had his thoughts on the A's ever since they made the trade of Cespedes out for John Lester. And I'm just going to say this. I I know there's some people, because somebody said it to me last night when I was talking to him. Well, well, you know, he gave you a chance to win. I don't know about that. I don't know if, uh, if, if I'm all that excited about what John Lester gave me last night, if I'm the Oakland A's. I mean, yeah, you could say, you know, he just barely, you know, got out of there still ahead of the ledger, but uh, definitely not what you expect when you trade a heart of the order, a young stud slugger for the guy that's going to be the piece, the pitcher that gets you over the top, pushes you over the hump, as they say. And again, he wasn't the losing pitcher last night, but he wasn't the winning pitcher either. I mean, you jump on the board two to nothing right away. You're thinking, okay, man, this is this is what you bring Lester in for, man. We get him a couple run lead here. Now it's money time. Now he's gonna crunch down and and make this trade look good. And people, I was texting a couple of guys back and forth, going, yeah, man, you know, uh, it's all set up now for the A's to sit back tomorrow and go see. We knew what we were doing, but I'll tell you, KC had a different different feeling about that and just up and down with the game we'll get into some of the stuff in the later innings but Kansas City stormed back and took the three to two lead in the third inning there looked like they were going to perhaps turn it around leave it to Shields for him to hold on he hey no not to pile on Lester there Shields he imploded as well as you know Moss with the three run home run gave the lead back to the A's and boom Gas on the fire there. You got a 7-3 to three lead. Now it's looking like the A's are just a couple of innings away from holding on. 7-3, to three, especially when bats tighten up in the playoffs, theoretically, usually. You're thinking, okay, you know, Oakland should be able to ride this thing through. And uh, and I'll tell you, I saw a lot of people second-guessing uh, Ned Yost at various points during the game yesterday. And I get it, man. Like, I, I know it's a... Uh, fly by the seat of your I, man. My man was throwing everything out there that he could think of to do. I mean, I know you got to question. Uh, you don't question the wisdom of going to a guy like Ventura, obviously. But same time, you question the you know how much he had left in the tank. Or what was it? Just uh, two days, two days prior, right? He had pitched on Sunday, I believe, right? So um, 
you know, and he's like, you know what, I'm going with what got me here. We're going to do whatever we've got to do to get out of this game. Doesn't matter if we're having the worst at bats in the history of playoff baseball, which came up a little bit later on in the game. And uh, and amazingly, not, not amazingly, you can't even use the term amazingly because baseball sports in general plays out that way that the guy who ends up say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers being the hero of course had to have a moment where he may have been the biggest goat i mean that that k in the uh in the eighth inning was maybe possibly one of the most just terrible at bats i remember seeing in at least in playoff history let alone in baseball history that thing was just wow man that at bat was and and a chance to tie the game but you know what that's what sports does great and that's what baseball does pretty well it sets up those moments where that same guy comes back around and he's the one that unbelievably brings it back home as the the Royals came back, stormed back, as we said, with a couple more runs there, tied it in the ninth with the sacrifice fly. And, I mean, I, by that point, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm with because I was flipping back and forth. I was bouncing around to some different things and, uh, and, you know, watching the game but doing some other stuff and watching some other stuff at the same time. From the eighth, around the eighth inning, there was – I wasn't flipping around anymore. I, I was – I was into this because I'm like, Kansas City's come. I could feel it. I could feel that momentum rolling. Kansas City was coming back to win this thing. And, uh, and, but then, you know, look at the resilience, even in the 12th. Sometimes, you know, a team just refuses to lose. And that was what Kansas City did yesterday. And my hat's off to them because you go down in the top of the inning and it's like, okay, now we came all the way back. Air is going to come back out. But they take care of business, bottom of the inning, walk that bad boy off, and there you go. The Kansas City Royals, first time in the playoffs in 29 years. They have not been, I'm telling you, I was like in kindergarten the last time the Royals made the uh, made the play. Half of you guys listening to the show could say, I've never been alive while Kansas City made the playoffs. But now they're going to stick around a little bit longer. They get ready to head out and take on the AL West champion, Los Angeles Angels, which should be a good series there. But, man, if you're Oakland, I mean, I know you made the playoffs. I get it. But, you know, they've got to be coming out of it. Okay, number one, just coming out of it, period. You got the 
the the the the the sting that comes. We know this last year, and and boy, I felt some of that last night. By the way, watching this, just knowing that a year ago we were the ones in that position with that game. So, but you know the the sting of the one and done anyway. But Oakland, you got to think there's way more than that to it because they went. I don't know if you want to say all in because it's not like it's not like they traded you know their whole lineup for a couple of guys. But at the same point, they went pretty close to all in on that move thinking that this was going to maneuver them to to the position, the promised land that they wanted to get to. And now you're left scratching your head and you may be left empty handed because there is no guarantee. I'm not saying, look, I've heard some some people say that it's very likely that Lester does end up coming back there and, and signing something. And But there's other people that think he's just as likely to go back to Boston or, or go somewhere else. I'm just saying you got that uh, unknown now. So perhaps, I mean, you could have mortgaged, I mean, really, you could end up with neither Lester or Cespedes in a one-and-done in the playoffs. That's not, a, that is not a place. That, and absolutely right, Cespedes can go back to Oakland. You're absolutely right, Vashon in the chat room. I mean, that's and that's part of the, the risk that you take when you make the move like that is you go, okay, well, if this doesn't work out, we back up here. We got a backup plan here. Uh, but I'll tell you, when all of those backup plans fall through, then you go, wow. Because that is the place where you don't want to be is you don't want to be going into next season going, man, we didn't bring Lester back. We don't have Cespedes coming back. And we didn't get the long run. We didn't even get the you know the payoff for what we did. So there's a there's <laughs> mighty Casey. He didn't strike out for the Rays, but uh, he did for the A's last night. Their season ends, and Kansas City's is going to continue. But, man, that game, just I'm telling you, man. And uh, that's one of the things that I said when I was talking about baseball. And I, I know it's some fans think it's too slow paced, and I get it, and that's true. For some people, it is. I mean, so everybody's got a different thing, but baseball, because of that pace, has that ability to have those moments and for them to breathe and for them to, for the tension to build and to get so thick in the air. I'm not saying that you can't get that with everything else. I mean, football has its excitement in many, many different facets the high intensity, the impact of things, you know, but, um, when a team, here's my thing, okay, when a team's got two minutes left to win the game in football and they're driving down, while it's you're, you're locked to it, it's, it's fast-paced. It's moving. The team's right back to the line. You know, unless there's timeouts, sometimes it's not until the drive is over that you get a chance to go, oh, man, that was a key play on third down. And, man, there was the, that was the key of the drive right there. And then, boom, there's the touchdown. It's all sudden and impact. But with the little uh, slower not much slower pace of the game in baseball and the ability to breathe in between those moments. That's, that's different because then you get in between every pitch when it's a crucial at bat and the entire season is on the line. Now, see, there's the tricky part too, is baseball goes to another level uh, when you get to the playoffs because of so many games. I mean, it's just, even though fans will hang to it, it's not until you get to those games where things really have meaning because you always have another game tomorrow. It's just the reality of it. But when you get down to the end of the regular season and then you get into the, I'd say, you know, depending on where your team is in the playoffs, when you get down that run and then you get down to the, you know, obviously the postseason and, and the magical time, then it's just, it's it weighs so much more. Like that that 
five, ten seconds in between pitches where the it, you get to soak it all in and it hangs there. And I'm not trying to just be a, a honk for baseball and say, hey, man, this it, I get why people like it and don't like it, but that's one of the things that it allows them to do. The setup of their game allows you to breathe in the moments and for them to just have so much more tension, like literally hanging in the air in instances like that, you know? So anyways, I just, I wanted to, uh, to talk about that. Definitely a hell of a way to kick off the 2014 major league baseball preseason. Now the San Francisco giants and the Pittsburgh pirates get their, ch- excuse me, their chance to do the exact same thing here tonight at eight o'clock in Pittsburgh. That game is giants and the pirates seeing who gets the rights to continue and move on to a, traditional playoff series there so very interesting speaking of interesting and baseball let's talk a little indians a couple of things real quick before we hit the first break Corey kluber american league pitcher of the month for the final month of the season there just another award another piece of hardware that the Klubot is going to add to his trophy shelf is the cy young coming next will that be the final uh trophy taken out of this season i wish it was a wish it was a team trophy we were looking to get out of this season but that's okay will the cy young be the final award of course Corey kluber wins the pitcher of the month for september by going five and one with a 2.09 era we've talked about it ad nauseum with his numbers 56 k's only seven walks in the month of september and he lost that first start of September. After that, it really dialed in. 5-0 and in the last five. 1.12 ERA, 54 Ks in 40 and a third innings. As we know, some of the things that he did. The ninth pitcher, only the ninth pitcher in modern history to register 14 or more strikeouts in back-to-back outings in two of his last three. And then he finished it off. Hey, I'm not going to go to 14. I'll just strike out 11 in this one here as he won that one to nothing classic against the Rays in the final weekend of the season. So now he's coming down to it. I mean, many people have got Kluber and King Felix as the two guys that this thing is going to be up in between obviously Felix with that changing of the scoring in the last week of the season dropped his ERA down a bit he's 15 and 6 with a 2.14 ERA so he's got a a advantage of .30 in the ERA over Kluber Kluber leading in strikeouts there led the American League in wins he's got several more wins than Felix Hernandez did there neither team led their team to the playoffs so that's really going to be taken out of the equation there too man i'm telling you the more i look at the numbers man the more i look at things the more i say Corey kluber is going to be the 2014 american league cy young award winner i just i feel it and i think as more people sit down and and saw what he did as more people had it you know sometimes you got to take a step back and look and go man wow you know when you're in it you're, you're going day to day. You're like, wow, Corey Kluber's really on a run, man. Who Corey Kluber's on a roll. Then you step back and you breathe and you look back and go, damn, Corey Kluber was really on a roll. And as we get to appreciate it up close day to day, the thing that you wonder about is the people that voted for that, did they appreciate it the same way? Because, of course, we have a different vantage point seeing Corey Kluber every day, whereas 
it all depends on outside how much publicity he was given, how much spotlight. And, you know, so we'll see. We'll see how it breaks down. But uh, Corey Kluber, I think he definitely made his best case. That's for sure. And he made his best case at the end of the season, which people also tend to value stronger too. your team was technically you were competing for a playoff spot the entire time so it was leveraged baseball but that's the part that that's the closest to the voting so that's going to be the chunk of the season that people remember more than they do the earlier part of the season so sometimes that hurts you if your best work was in the early part of the season but at the end, when people are focused and going, man, who am I going to vote for on this Cy Young here this year? And they're watching those last couple of starts. Exactly, Bruce. Felix, a no decision and a loss in his last two starts. Kluber, as we said, ran it out 5-0 and to finish things off down the stretch. I think that is what may swing a lot of people's votes, was that both guys were in. Hey, Seattle was right there with the Indians. Both guys were in the same pennant race, the same. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission at u.s customs and border protection we go beyond to protect more than borders from ship to shore air to ground cities to local communities cbp agents and officers are keeping people safe Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Playoff chase, what I'm used to calling it a pennant race, whatever you want to call it. Same playoff chase and boom. Oh, come on. Come on, Vishan. Seattle was in it for what? One day longer than the Indians? No, get out of here with that, man. That Both guys' seasons were over by that point in time. Seattle was in it one day longer than, or maybe two. Yeah, I don't remember if they were eliminated on Saturday or Sunday, whatever. But if that's going to be how we decided, I don't know if that's necessarily the way we should go. But Corey Kluber was the man, picks up another trophy to put on his shelf to prove it. Now will he get the final icing on the cake? He wishes it was a team award, as I said, but... Corey Kluber, Cy Young, I don't know. We're going to find out. We're going to take a break when we come back, talk a little bit of Cavs here as they reveal the new court today in time for the wine and gold scrimmage. Got some construction going on, too. We'll talk about that. Ticket pricing around the country and more. A little bit of Cavs conversation. John McMullen from the Sports Network coming up after that. Dan Wisbar from the Cleveland Fan and more. Don't go anywhere. If you can hear us, we're rolling live. If not, we're going to try to fix that during the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Sports Fix. Yes, I am, yes, I am, yes, I am. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. I'm the man, I'm the man. The sp- 
Sports Fix, the show that asks the question. We'll be right back. Guys, want to take just a second as we head into this break and remind you about the official business printing source of the Sports Fix, our friends at Signs and Ship. Signs and Ship, I'm telling you, Chris and Pam, they've taken care of me since day one, and they can do the same for you. Whether you're a small business that's already been established and you're looking to grow to that next level and expand your business, or perhaps you've got an idea that you just know is going to be a great business and you need to figure out how to brand it and how to promote it and put it out there, Signs and Ship is the place for you. If you need a logo, they can create one for you. They have a fantastic graphic designer. Business cards, signs, banners, yard signs, mobile advertising, anything you can think of that you need to promote your business, they've got it at Signs and Ship. The best thing about them, too, is each of their locations, whether it's the home base here in Elyria, Ohio that I work with, or their spots in Virginia, Florida, and Pennsylvania. It's all local sourced. Very important to me because we all understand that small business is the lifeblood of the community. So check them out, signsandship.com, or call Chris and Pam today, 440-323-6060, the home office in Elyria, Ohio. Signs and Ship, quality printing at affordable prices. It's an addiction. The Sports Fix will be right back. You love Cleveland, and you already know how much we love Cleveland. You know who else loves Cleveland? GV Art and Design. Everyday fans, you and I wear our pride on our sleeves. Now, you can wear your pride on your chest. GV Art and Design has one of the hottest Cleveland sporting lines. Log on right now to GVArtwork.com. Check out all of their fantastic designs. And don't forget, use the sales code 610610 to save 10% on your total purchase. Follow GVArtwork.com on Facebook, and remember, GV Art and Design, it's not just a shirt is a statement. The Sports Fix is on iHeartRadio. Download the free iHeart app today. Subscribe to the show and get your fix. In baseball, miracles can happen when a team works together. Two out, bottom of the ninth, down to their last strike. The same is true in the fight against cancer. That's why MLB has teamed up with Stand Up to Cancer. Because we believe that when we all stand up together, 41,000 on their feet, we can make cancer history. Now everybody's standing. What a buzz in this building. This is beyond a dream. Stand up with MLB at StandUpToCancer.org. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Welcome back to the Sports Fix live across the Sports Fix radio network, which is limited today. That'll be fixed by the time you listen to it live on delay a little bit later on. But uh, several of the live platforms are not getting the show today, and I'm not happy about it. I'm just going to tell you that uh, the show started rough, and I'm, I'm not feeling good about this. I don't know what's going on, and uh, this is this is the downfall of, of live 
doing what we do because unfortunately there's nothing I can do. It'll be fixed. Those of you that are with us, welcome in. Those of you that'll be joining us later, welcome into you as well. J-Rock back with you as we roll on. John McMullen from the Sports Network, he's going to join us in just a few moments here. But this segment real quick, I want to take a few minutes out, talk some Cavaliers as tonight... Hey, the summer was the summer and everybody's excited. That's great. Well, tonight they go out there for the first time. And many of you who took advantage of the lottery system and were able to grab tickets to the wine and gold scrimmage will be there tonight watching the Cavaliers first little on-court glimpse of what is happening down there at Quicken Loans Arena. And not only will you get a look at what's going on on the court down at the queue, but a lot of things going on off the court as well. I know earlier this morning I tweeted out and put out on Facebook the photos of the new court, which I like. I dig the uh, the design that they did. They incorporated the Navy. Uh, they incorporated that along the baselines. And uh, it's pretty similar design to the court. The thing that I really dig that they added to it is they added uh, the skyline of Cleveland, of downtown Cleveland, along the side of the baseline, which I thought was a really cool thing that they added to it there. I said, man, I kind of like the way that looks. And uh, so we posted pictures of it if you guys haven't seen it. But got an email as well from the Cavaliers this morning asking uh, everybody to help pass along the word to the people uh, attending to not just tonight, but the first couple of uh, events here that there's a ton of construction here. So temporarily the big scoreboard, you guys know the big, the big, the new big scoreboards coming up before opening day, because they're actually constructing that real time as things are going, they've got some temporary scoreboards up. They've got temporary displays and speakers up. It's going to be for at least, Tonight's scrimmage, and it's going to be for the uh, for the preseason most likely. The Cavaliers say they still don't have a date yet on the, the actual finished product of the new HD board, but when they do, they'll be able to let you guys know. But for now, and at least for the upcoming exhibition game against uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv coming up this weekend, they'll, they'll have... Now, they will have two new permanent screens in the corners set up that are going to display things as well as the temporary deals until they get the big one up for the beginning of the season. Uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of construction, a lot of reconstruction. As I said, the, I'm looking at the picture of the court there now, pretty, uh, pretty interesting. The, <laughs> the court design that the Cavaliers went with there, wine and gold scrimmage tonight. Like I said, your first chance to see them. And uh, speaking of a couple of things I wanted to notice yesterday, Cavaliers, well, every day Cavaliers are going to be in the news, as we know. But Cavaliers in the news uh, for multiple different things yesterday. I saw the Vegas sport sports books put out the uh, put out their thoughts on the win loss. They've got the Cavs atop the rest of the NBA with the most wins predicted. And you guys got to keep in mind about that too. That their their job is to separate you from your money. So it's just like how they pick lines for the games. They they think what's realistic, and then they take what people are going to bet on. And one is not necessarily the same as the other. Look, I'm not saying that they can't go out. They've got the the Westgate Sports Book has the. Cavaliers at a 58.5. Everybody's got the .5. I'm like, that's where you make your money at the casino. It's with that half a point. It's with that half a game. But they've got the Cavs one game better than the Thunder at 58.5 wins for the upcoming season. Uh, I'm going to say, you know, as far as that, 
I don't know. I'm not saying that they can't. You got a lot of Eastern Conference teams. You're going to have some tomato cans, but you're going to have some some good young teams up there too. I told you guys, I predict an up and down first couple of months of the season. I mean, relatively 500, maybe a few up from it, but but relatively speaking, around that win some, lose some as you're getting used to things, as guys are figuring each other out and stuff like that. So does that add up to nearly a 60-win season? I don't know. It'll be close, obviously. I mean, but, and I keep in mind, too, what I said yesterday, that the Cavs are not in the same position that the Heat were when they brought LeBron and brought Bosch in to go with Wade. They had been a playoff team the year before. They had won, I believe it was 15, at least a dozen more games the year before than the Cavs did in the year before this. I'm just simply saying it takes some time. So I don't know. I may take the under on that one because I don't know. I've got them. I thought they could easily win 55 games. Now we're getting up near 60. I think that would take things gelling a little bit earlier in the season than I'm anticipating. We'll see. I mean, hey, look, look, we're going from can they win enough games to get the eighth seed in the playoffs to are they going to win 55 or are they going to win 58 or are they going to win 60? I'm guessing that that's a better uh, conversation to have. (laughs) It's a better way to talk about things, but uh, we'll see. But obviously high expectations there. Looking down through, I'll tell you, the biggest drop and – They said this was one of the biggest single-season changes in things. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No With the way they put things together, the Pacers, last year, they went into the season. They, they were predicted at 20 games worse than they were last year, and I'm thinking that may be, that may be a, a conservative estimate. The sports book has the Pacers' odds of winning this year at 32 and a half games this year. And you got to realize the, the level that they came from there, but what are you going to do? I mean, you lose Paul George, you Lance Stevenson leaves and, and uh, you know, so um, that's going to be something to keep an eye on there too. I was talking about that yesterday too. That's where with those Hibbert rumors with the Cavaliers, I mean, number one, he's a, he's got some, some money that has to be dealt with. Number two, I don't know if the Pacers aren't just giving the cat away. And, uh, and number three, the Pacers would have to be willing to nod their head to the fan base and go, yeah, we're just going to tear this thing down and rebuild it up. But there's a difference between doing it and telling your fan base that you're doing it. So, We'll see about that with the Pacers and where things go. Looking at the rest of the teams up top, the Heat, they've dropped the Heat down to the middle of the pack there. So we'll see. I love it. I love it. Vashon in the chat room. The Cavs are going to be fighting for a playoff spot, apparently, according to him. Listen, I don't think the Cavs are going to win the title in the first year. I've said this. I said they're going to have trouble with a couple of the more veteran teams. 
They'll get to the end of the playoffs. They'll get to the end of the East or perhaps into the finals. And you know what? I'll take that as the first season. I will gladly take that and uh, and we'll grow and progress from there. But I'm not sitting here planning a parade at the end of season number one. I'm planning on getting close to it. But you're nuts. You Come on. Listen, I like Washington. I like Charlotte. I like what those teams done. They're all going to fight. They're all going to battle. There's going to be some good games. But come on. The Cavaliers are not going to be scrapping to get one of the lower playoff seeds. I'm sorry, man. There's not a there's not a chance in hell of that one. Just because of the sheer way the regular season of the NBA works. You know? Teams that are the quote unquote power teams are gonna feast on a lot of the lower teams uh throughout the regular season. It's not until you get to playoff time that you'll really start separating the men from the boys. I mean, I'm just saying. There, yeah, I'm with you. Okay. <laughs> I was confused, Vishan. I'm like, okay, Indiana's definitely going to be scrapping. You're right. I he I was confused. He was talking about the Pacers. I'm like, wait a minute. Now, the Cavs may not win a championship, but they're not exactly going to be scrapping to get in the final playoff spot there. But, yeah, Indiana, they'll be lucky to make the playoffs. I agree with you there. And, and they may just cash it in. And I agree. They may try to get out from underneath Hibbert. But I talked about that yesterday. I'm like, that's a, that's a lot of money there, man. And I don't even know economically how in the world the, uh, the Cavaliers make that happen anyway. So I wasn't all that interested in it. But I know the Cavs need a center, and that's a name that people recognize. So they instantly go, that's what we need. Like, I don't know. How a team, all we needed was Kevin Love. And now that we got Kevin Love, now we need a fourth guy. I don't get into that. I mean, like, come on now, man. We, we, I mean, if that's the case, I mean, all we need is Magic Johnson. Can he come back and play too? All I need is this. I'm just saying, like, we can always keep adding to the need, but eventually you run out of this salary cap room and uh it's not even uh my thing is that they, they took his heart they took his heart in the playoffs and they showed they showed what you got there man and he was he was not the same Roy Hibbert like I just said teams goof around in the regular season and they they run up their win totals and whatever and the playoffs is when the men and the boys get separated and people show who's got heart and who doesn't uh this I'm not interested in adding a piece to the Cavs that will enhance the regular season and then not show up come crunch time in the playoffs because there was a lot of Pacers fans that banked on Roy Hibbert being Roy Hibbert in the playoffs and then Roy Hibbert turned into Roy Hibbert, but not the one that they thought he was, but it's the one that some people thought he was all along. So that's the thing. What you're going to add... You're going to add a piece that's going to do great for you during the regular season, if he even does that, because I'm curious what the end of last year, I don't even know what Roy Hibbert looks like this year. Like, I'm curious how much that got into his head. You guys have seen, no matter what the sport is, a guy just gets gets discombobulated and it carries over and never gets fixed. And, and hey, man, that could very well be the case. I don't even know what Roy Hibbert is right now and how he's coming into this season. I'm, I'm not interested in that trade at all. We talked about that yesterday. But tell you what, speaking of interested, as uh, Dan Wismar, he's going to be with us in a little bit as we get ready to go to break here. Speak, I saw uh, he was talking about the road totals. Did you see the Cavs, too, um, tweeting out yesterday that they're going to go out of their way to stop the secondary ticket market, because we did a, a little spiel about this yesterday. I mean, the secondary ticket market basically tells the team how much they're undercharging for their tickets as far as what 
the market will support. And that's usually how teams decide how much they can raise the value of their tickets the next year. And as we said, you know, already on StubHub this year, there's a $100 difference between uh, the value of the Cavs games and what the the ticket value is from last year. And that's just going to continue to go up. Uh, They're already the highest ticket on the road. They're already the highest ticket on the road. $411 is the average road ticket for teams to see the Cavaliers coming up this season. And it'll be a sellout at those prices. And uh, the same thing here in the uh, in the local market. I told you, I was looking at some of the prices. Just, I mean, you look at some of the prices being asked for opening night and uh, for some of the games coming up here this season, and you just go, wow. Um, so it definitely shows me a couple of things. I'll give credit to the Cavs temporarily. I talked about this yesterday for not going uh, crazy with ticket prices and saying, hey, we're going to give the fans one season at the old ticket prices so that uh, they know that we can appreciate their patience during four years of Byron Scott and Manny Harris and all of that stuff. But, but let me tell you something. That gesture is not going to stay. You can bet that during the run, you can bet that the uh, the tickets will be a little bit more expensive next year, and I'm telling you for a fact, the secondary ticket market bears that out. Uh, and it's just it's a matter of what happens. But then there's the flip side, the human side. Remember what happened in Miami when LeBron went there? They raised ticket prices, they jacked up season ticket sales, sold out inventory so fast, and then sold it out with a waiting list for the next four years. And then they laid off half the season ticket staff because they didn't need them anymore because there was no more tickets left to sell. So that's the bubble. It goes up, it gets really big, and then it bursts, and then you start over again, and that'll be where that's going. So um, I guarantee you, two, three years from now, you won't be talking about what a magnanimous gesture the Cavaliers' ticket prices <laughs> are going to be because uh, the, the wiggle room is there. As you can see, I mean, look, that's... I hate it, but it's the economics of the market. If nobody was paying it, then the Cavs couldn't charge it. But the fact that they can look and go, wait a minute. So you mean Joe Blow, who yells at me because my $32 ticket is too much, is going to go buy the same ticket on StubHub for $140 and tell me that it's too much when I charge $32. Well, I could charge $64. And he's still getting it for half as much as what he's getting it for on StubHub. That's what's coming. But I will say, at least, hey, this year, they knew. They knew. I mean, it's not as magnanimous as it sounds because they know the cash-in is coming way down the line. There's multiple revenue streams over the next few years that will more than make up for that. So, yeah, for the first season here, uh, we'll let the ticket prices stay. But you can bet that three years from now, Ticket prices will be easily 50% higher than what they are. And it's, again, it's demand. It's in the market. For as much as fans say you're squeezing out the fans, and you are squeezing out the fans that can't afford to pay that much, but you're not squeezing out the market because clearly the market will support an extremely high ticket price on these games. I don't know if that lasts. I don't know if that lasts four years. I don't know if that buzz lasts. I mean, we'll see. It'll be interesting. It's a whole new uh, whole new ride here that the Cavaliers are going on a second time around. <laughs> it's, so they're a little bit practiced at where this thing's going to go. We'll see what happens. But it starts tonight with the Wine and Gold scrimmage. 
And then we'll take it from there, guys. We're going to take a break, get you some news. When we come back, John McMullen from the Sports Network joins us, and we'll take it from there with him. We'll talk about the latest with the NFL. Is the FCC fixing to ban the Redskins' name from the airwaves? I don't know. We can say it no matter what, but is that coming? We'll talk about that. Browns and Titans, trap game extraordinaire coming up. All of that, Tate, West, feeding the crow. What do the Browns do? Let's talk to John McMullen from the Sports Network about it next here on the Sports Fix right after the news. And now, a very special announcement from the Sports Fix. Black bears weigh between two and 500 pounds. Brown bears weigh between 300 and over 1,000 pounds. Black bears run away from you. Brown bears run at you. When attacked by a bear, simply lie still on the ground and cover your face and head with your hands. When the bear is finished batting you around and mauling you, contact the U.S. Forest Service. And that was a message from the Sports Fix. Hey, this is Scott Fujita, and you're listening to the Sports Fix. Business owners and professionals, do you want to take your business, your product, your team, your event to the next level? You want to advertise right here with the Sports Fix. Our listeners are among the most loyal listeners, terrestrial or internet. The Sports Fix universe is not only the radio show, but tens of thousands of fans on Facebook and Twitter. Email me, Jerry Myers, the Sports Fix at AOL.com. That's the Sports Fix at AOL.com. And let me help you swing for the fences and hit it out of the park right here on the Sports Fix. Sports Fix listeners, do you tweet? So do we. So tweet with us 24-7 at the Sports Fix CLE. Whether it's an oil change or a new set of tires... Quick Lane at Valley Ford Truck has you covered for your automotive car care needs. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol... Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. They're your neighborhood quick service experts. They also offer a low price tire guarantee. Choose from 13 brands. And if you find the same tires at a lower price within 30 days, Quick Lane at Valley Ford will refund the difference. They're open late Monday through Thursday until 9 p.m. and open early Saturday so you can check it off your to-do list and get on with your day. They also have a newly remodeled service lounge and additional service bay just for Quick Lane oil changes. Quick Lane at Valley Ford Truck is located at 5715 Canal Road, right under the 480 Bridge in Valley View, just down the road from Independence. 5715 Canal Road, right under the 480 Bridge in Valley View, just down the road from Independence. Come see why life is better in the Quick Lane. Quicklane.com slash Valley Ford Truck. That's Quicklane.com slash Valley Ford Truck.
Portions of the Sports Fix brought to you by Signs and Ship, the official printing source of the Sports Fix. Locations in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Florida. Find out more at signsandship.com. News break. Good morning, I'm Bob Picosi. Their fans waited 29 years to see another postseason game. Now they'll get to see at least a couple more. In Kansas City, a Salvador Perez single with two outs in the bottom of the 12th gave the Royals a heart-stopping 9-8 win over Oakland in the American League wildcard game. KC overcame 2-0, 7-3, and 8-7 deficits to win. Eric Hosmer tripled and scored the tying run in the 12. You know this uh, this team showed a lot of character tonight, and you know like we said, we're not gonna we're not gonna quit. You know we don't care who's on the mound. We just uh, like everyone kept saying in the dugout, just keep the line moving. You know like I said, we showed a lot of character tonight, battling back and uh, you know just getting it done. The Royals now meet the Angels in an American League Division Series beginning tomorrow. San Francisco visits Pittsburgh tonight at the National League Wild Card Game, 8 Eastern Time on ESPN TV, 7:30 on ESPN Radio. A's Central is reporting. The Diamondbacks interviewed Andy Green yesterday for their managerial vacancy. He's the manager of their double-A team in Mobile. ESPN's had word of reporting NFL owners will discuss next week how teams can deal with the financial responsibility of paying players like Adrian Peterson when they are on the exempt list. Get to Subway for the famous $5 footlong of October, the meatball marinara, smothered with our signature marinara sauce. Or go for the $3 6-inch select Black Forest ham and cheese with lean sliced ham on freshly baked bread. Both yours all October long. Subway, eat fresh. Now, back to the Sports Fix. Welcome back to the Sports Fix Live across the Sports Fix Radio Network. I don't even know what that consists of today. I know that some of you hear us and some of you will hear us later, so it doesn't matter. Welcome in, you guys. J-Rock back with you. All kinds of technical difficulties behind the scenes, and uh, and they drive me crazy because my OCD comes out a little bit and like I literally wanted to stop the show and just no we're not going on the air until I figure out what's wrong but I can't I mean you gotta do what you gotta do so as I'm sitting here I'm telling you I'm like that guy that just has to wash my hands like a hundred times I'm just sitting here going man boy I wish I could just stop everything and fix this it's in the back of you know it's in the back of your head you just I I, I don't know I'm I don't want to say I'm a perfectionist but I'm very I'm a stickler with the details of things. I like to have, you know, the show do its thing anyways. Point is, it's driving me crazy. <laughs> There's stuff that needs to be fixed, and I can't address it until uh, until I get off the air and figure out what it is. I love it, but it is in the back of my mind every second. Like I said, I feel like I need to wash my hands like a hundred times here because it's uh, every time I turn around, I'm like, yeah, man. Damn thing's still not working yet. Anyways, welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for sticking with us and being with us. Going to the phone lines in a moment to talk some Browns, NFL, all kinds of stuff. John McMullen from the Sports Network. You guys can keep the conversation rolling on Facebook and Twitter and email. Facebook.com slash the Sports Fix. Tweet with us at the Sports Fix. CLE email us. The Sports Fix at AOL.com. I'm going to go to the phone lines now hit it up on the hotline john mcmullen usually with us on mondays he's here today john how you doing uh doing well listening to you it's probably a good idea you wash your hands anyway now that the, the bowl <laughs> is here so it's probably a good uh, idea 
the Ebola. Yeah, I hear you about that, man. Yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, like I said, a little obsessive compulsive over here. But the show must go on. It's it's what we do, and uh, we'll keep it moving, man. How's your week been going? Uh, you know, it never stops with the NFL. There's always something to talk about. Absolutely. And this week, no short. Man, I guess, you know, well, since we do this all the time, and it's only been a couple of weeks, so you can't go too long without using the word Redskins in the NFL here. So let me ask you, you heard the stuff yesterday coming out that the FCC is now uh, considering, and we and we talked about this a little bit ago, but, you know, continues to pop its head out, uh, banning the word Redskins from being used by the FCC. Now, that's obviously a different step than recommending people don't use it or taking away the trademarks so people can't sell the T-shirts. Uh, that's a whole nother step there. But we've heard it mentioned before. What do you think of the of, of it, the idea in general, and the merits that this may actually come to fruition? Well, you never know with, with where we are in society. It's become to the point whether you agree with it, some people do and some people don't, whether you agree with the overly uh, politically correct nature uh, of our society as a whole, that's where we are. I think that's the one aspect that Daniel Snyder has not really gotten is the fact that, you know, I've, I've talked about it time and time again. I've written about it. We've reached the tipping point and, and, He's going to have to change the name at some point, and if the government needs to make sure he's going to do it, they will. I, I mean, personally, on a on a personal level, I think they have much much bigger issues to deal with. I, I think it's kind of ridiculous when they stick their nose in the issues like this, uh, especially when you consider some of the larger problems we're dealing with. But that's where that's where we are, and you know, unfortunately, our our public representatives love to get their name uh, on television, love to get on camera, uh, and they love to delve into these types of issues instead of dealing with the things they were actually elected to deal with. But as I said, that's where we are in our society. I guess. I mean, I was telling somebody last night, I mean, regardless of where you sit on the term Redskins, I mean, that's... uh when you're talking about banning it from over the air reference on you know obviously by the FCC i mean now you're going i don't know man it's a slippery it's, slope it's, right. it's dangerous it's, it, it's and people thing. don't see that it's it it's one of my biggest yeah. frustrations because when i i make the defense people automatically jump to the conclusion well you you hate uh 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 you know native americans and uh, i'm like it's not what it's about it's a logical you know, when you're on, when your side is winning, so to speak. In other words, if you agree that the name should be barred and and something like that, everything's fine and dandy. But the minute you don't agree with something, you're not going to enjoy the fact that the government has gone to these lengths to do something. Uh, it's a pretty simple and logical argument. Uh, and sometimes you have to stand up for things on 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 both sides. It's you know, I use the example of of uh, you know Bill Simmons getting suspended by by uh, ESPN, and and yeah. people were aghast by that. And and I said, you know what, you should be because uh, you know when you pay somebody to give their opinion, they should be able to give their opinion. And, but I also said, you know, then you have to defend Stephen A. Smith because most people disagreed what 
with what he said, and we're all for his suspension. Uh, it's not right. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether you agree with the, the use of the word Redskins or not. It is not the government's responsibility to stick their nose into this. It's as simple as that. And that's that's in the same place that I am with it. That's what I was saying. No matter where you sit on either side of the ledger here, man, I mean, once you start going there, I mean, now, again, it's one thing to guide people. It's one thing to say, you know, this this is not, you know, recommended or this is no longer, you know, cool with the general public. But it's another thing when you start picking and choosing, you know, what we're going to allow people to, I don't know, man, like you said, the slippery slope is the be- easy term to put at the beginning of that. And, uh, and I don't know where that go, where it stops, you know, the more, again, without, you don't want to sound like, you know, you're too much, you know, leaning towards the right, but the more you chip away at things like that, where do you end up with, you know? And I'm just like, wow, man. And part of it strikes me as people who have their own personal opinions or the opinions that they think will sound good in a soundbite or a press conference or a, a voting booth here coming up. And they're basically like, you know what? We tried to say this isn't a good idea. We tried to suggest that you don't do it. Well, now we're just going to tell you that you can't since nobody listened to our suggestions. Yeah, exactly. And and that's not the way you, you go about things uh, in our country. If you don't agree with something, you go through the legal process and yep. you try to do it in the right way. You don't decree it. I mean, this is not a mon- monarchy. Uh, and, and it is what it is. And uh, again, I, I understand both sides of the argument. Uh, I've, I've written about it extensively. Uh, I've said, you know, I, I find it disingenuous when people call the name racist, uh, uh, but I can I can I can listen to the disparaging argument and the fact that it's disparaging. You know, if you want to get down to a philosophical view, there's you know uh, the term racism. You know, I encourage everyone to look it up in the dictionary. It's it's the belief uh, that one race or, or or something is inherently better than another, uh, and and by definition, a word can never do that. So. With, without that behind it, without the belief, and I don't even think that the staunchest uh, Daniel Snyder haters uh, can make the argument that he was using that term in a racist manner with the, no. that belief behind it. Uh, you, you can't do it. You can't make that argument. Uh, and that's why they go a different way, and they try to, you know, for lack of a better word, bamboozle people with these, you know, <laughs> the the minute you throw out that word uh, and call someone a racist, the hope is that they, they you know, they become a, a shrinking violet. And most people do because they don't want to be called that in any aspect of life. And I don't like it. I've been called it numerous times because I've written about this extensively. And that's the first thing people do. They don't want to think logically. They want to hurl insults at you. And unfortunately, you know, when you, when you, I'm lucky enough to have a national column and it's, it's published in, you know, about two, 250 different outlets. And I get, you know, I get some nasty email at times and it's, some people don't like that. Some people can't accept that. And and the minute you hurl these accusations at people, that's the hope and that the fact that they'll just accept it and go away 
uh, without trying to explain and, and explain their position and actually have a legitimate discussion. Uh, and, you know, that goes through all parts of our society, not just this issue. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's no, but nobody likes to engage in discussion and discourse anymore, man. This is it. And if you don't agree, here's what you are, or here's why you don't agree. And you know, hey, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. And of course, you know, I keep an eye on it for several things. Number one, I just uh, see how it ends up. But obviously, we have our own issues here with Chief Wahoo and the Indians team name. And I'm tell, I tell everybody here in Cleveland, that's bubbling under the surface. But it is, you can bet, it's public enemy number one B as soon as the Redskins deal is is dealt with one way or another. And I saw Bruce in the chat room. He just had an interesting suggestion to end this whole thing. Change the red change the Redskins logo to a potato and then they can just be the Redskin potatoes. There you go. He'll be here all week, everybody. You can check him out over there in the chat room. But yeah, man, slippery slope is, is the easiest way to sum that up. Let's segue into some stuff going on on the field. I laughed. I mentioned it yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you saw Bill Belichick after, after Monday Night Football when the reporter asked him, uh, do you think it's time to contemplate a change at the quarter or reevaluate the quarterback position and he just stopped and looked at the guy like did you really just ask me that question he just rolled his eyes and laughed and i said that picture was worth a thousand words i was was telling listeners i said see they don't just ask dumb quarterback questions here in cleveland because even involving brady and belichick somebody said do you evaluate the quarterback position Yeah, you're right. His his you know his expression told it all, and you know I mean that's the thing about football. I mean, partially it's great. It's what makes it as popular as it is, is because each game is an event, uh, and and there isn't 162 games like baseball or even 82 like basketball, uh, where there's so many games. You know, you, you lose a game in baseball, and you go, oh, there's another one tomorrow. Uh, in football, you know, obviously there's only 16, and they're all uh, an event, as I said. And, and, you know, when teams win, you overreact. When teams lose, you overreact. And that's just what it is, and that's what football has become. And now with the the explosion of, you know, all kinds of media and social media and 24-7 sports channels and, and all that, uh, you know, you got to talk about something between the six days, uh, you know, in between when you play another game. And that's just what happens. <laughs> it becomes this, when you have a bad performance like the Patriots, uh, all this stuff comes to the forefront. But the fact that you talk about, you know, Tom Brady, uh, you know, he's one of those guys we just saw with Derek Jeter in baseball, you know, He's one of those guys that's earned his spot, and and he'll decide when to leave. Nobody else. Exactly. Uh, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna be talking about benching Tom Brady. And that's not to say, obviously, at his age, you know, it's legitimate to bring up the fact that maybe he's slipping as a player. It, it happens to everybody. The one, you know, the one, the one battle any athlete always loses is against Father Time. Yep. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are. History has proven that. Uh, and it'll happen to Tom Brady. It'll happen to 
Peyton Manning. It'll happen to Drew Brees. Some say it's already happening to Tom Brady and Drew Brees, and and we'll see. But it's far too early after four games. This this entire league is, we say it week after week, this entire league is based on parity. There isn't a great deal of difference between the talent levels of this team. The worst team in the NFL, whether you think it's Jacksonville, whether you think it's Oakland, uh, has a lot of good football players on it. And they can beat you on any given day, the cliche, any given Sunday, whatever you want to call it. It's not like college. You're not going to go through a season and just rip through teams. That's not what the NFL's made. We're four weeks through the season, Jerry. 24 of the 32 teams are either in first place or a game out of first place. Right. 75, you know, 75% of the entire league. Uh, that's what it is. It's, it's a parity-driven league. Absolutely. That's why, you know, we always say, you know, when you look at it, like how the Browns have struggled basically with the exception of two years since 99, that's that's even more historically inept than you would believe by the sound of it, because the NFL is such a quick turnaround league that usually no team stays on top for more than a couple of years. And usually no team stays on the bottom because it's built that way. It's built not to let any team stay strong for too long. And it's built not to let any team stay weak for too long, unless you have historically bad management and coaching. And then you reach those franchises. And and unfortunately we were one of them that went through such a long stretch of uh of just i don't even you can't even say mediocrity because it wasn't even that good you know and that's what made that so amazing you talk about it here you mentioned it perfectly set it up for where i wanted to go when you talk about there's talent on every team across the field from you no matter where you're at because I wanted to bring up, I talked about it on yesterday's show, and Mike Pettin was asked about it, and he came right out and said the whole gist of what he's telling the team this week is stop looking ahead, don't be the newspaper, don't be the fans, don't be the media. They can look at the schedule and go, oh, we should win this game, we should win this game, we should win this game. You have one at a time, and it starts in Tennessee, you know, because the next five games, the Browns' opponents right now are 4-16, and 16, the teams that they're going to face over the next five weeks. But like you said, every team, whether you're talking about the Jags and the Raiders at 0-4, whether you're talking about the Steelers at 2-2, two and two, every one of them can beat you. And, and he made a good point. He said nobody in the room knew the answer except Brian Hoyer. Uh, he goes, when's the last time this team won a road game? Nobody knew the answer. It was the Minnesota start last year in the beginning of the season, September 22nd, just about a year ago, when they beat Minnesota behind Brian Hoyer. And that's the last time that the Cleveland Browns have won a game away from Cleveland Browns Stadium. So you don't have to get too far ahead of yourself to realize you got to keep your feet on the ground and focus on the Titans because they're going to be looking to, to fix whatever's been wrong with them for the last three weeks. Yeah, they're not, you know, this is an important game for them uh, as well, yeah. and it's a home game. Uh, and you just saw it on Monday night. If you think about the difference uh, between the Kansas City Chiefs team you saw on Monday night uh, and the team you saw before this year, uh, you see some of the difference from week to week. Uh, you know, you're talking about a team that lost Derek Johnson uh, Mike DeVito, uh, Eric Berry's been banged up, has been out, you know. 
uh, Jamal Charles was out and came back for that game. Uh, the difference week to week in this league is tremendous. Looking in the Browns division, Pittsburgh, one week they look like a world beater. Uh, the next week they're losing to the Buccaneers at home, who look like the worst team ever assembled. Uh, the week before when they were in Atlanta uh, and, and gave up 56 points. Uh, you know, that's, again, that's another that's another point towards parity where the fact that you see these teams, you you look at them on paper and say, oh, the Titans aren't much. Uh, but this is a desperate team, uh, you know, and their season can go the wrong way in a, in a, in a, a very, very quick, uh, quick way uh, if they lose this game. So they're going to be pulling out every stop they can to try and get back on a winning track uh, and, and as we say, the, you know, what's the most dangerous animal? A wounded animal. And that's exactly what Cleveland is going to face in, in Nashville uh, this weekend. Absolutely. Ben Tate said the same thing. And that's an interesting question here. I wonder where you think the uh, the Browns are going to break this down here because Ben Tate, say, he told Coach Patton he could have played last week if they weren't on the bye. He's definitely, although he did uh, sit part to practice out today, uh, being limited, the, the word is that he can definitely uh, do some stuff this weekend. Whether the Browns let him sit another week, I don't know. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, Coach Petton said he's playing, but uh, Ben Tate said kind of similar to what you said. He goes, I don't see a favorable schedule. I see a bunch of teams that are coming to play, and if you don't show up and play, you'll get beat. That's all there is to it, and that's what they have to do. It's so easy to have your buddy texting you and your friends going, oh, man, you got Tennessee this week. Man, we're going to party after the game. All right, we're going to go. We're going to be 2-2, two and two, and then next thing you know, if you do that, you're 1-3 and three with Pittsburgh coming to you next after that so but Ben Tate he's coming back in and uh and coach Petten said and I, I like for the most part putting guys back in when they get injured I don't think guys should lose a job for injury unless the guy coming in has been doing such a lights out job that you just don't want to monkey with it now I think West and Crowell have done great but do you think they've done I mean I obviously you inject the guy that you signed to a two-year contract in there but I don't know how much you want to take away, especially Crowell, the carries that he's getting, because he has developed well over the last few weeks. Well, I think you're going to see, uh, uh, you know, you're not going to see Ben Tate have 30 carries. Uh, You're going to see a split-type situation, and and 
uh, generally as that happens, as the game goes on, you go with the hot hand and you kind of feel feel out who's got it that particular day. And I, I just think it's a great situation if you think about where this team was last year <laughs> as yeah. far as the running game went. Uh, the fact that now you have three different options uh, and they've all, uh, even even Tate before he got hurt was, you know, uh, I think averaging almost seven yards a carry in his few attempts. So uh, the difference between you know, this year and last year, as far as the running game goes, is is night and day. And the and the fact that you have you're worried about which guy, which of the three guys you want to get the football to, uh, when you couldn't get a, a basically a, a run for over three yards last year, yep. uh, is a nice position to be in. So that's one of those things where you don't mind uh, having to make a tough decision. Yeah, and I think too the the one thing that I do think that will uh, that. Uh, Tate brings back to the offense. I don't know if this is the because of the backs or just because of the offense. Coach Patton yesterday said it was a little bit of both. He said sometimes rookie backs, they stay in to block a little too long because they're, they don't want to miss their block and they don't get out open enough for the pass. And there's been a limited amount of uh, basically running back involvement in the passing game for the last few weeks. Whereas Ben Tate, that is one of his uh, stronger suits is catching passes out of the backfield. So uh, they, I do think that that does re-involve the backs a bit. It makes sense too what he was saying about a rookie. I mean, you would want to hold your block a second longer to make sure that you don't go too quick. But at the same time, that may eliminate the option of the running backs in the passing game. So I think he'll help out there because he does do a good job of catching passes out of the backfield. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's the biggest thing when you talk about young running backs in this league and people automatically assume, uh, obviously, you know, when fans look at running backs, they think about running the football. But there, there are other important aspects to playing that position. And first and foremost is, is pass protection and and. Uh, in passing situations, as we've seen, this is is, is a totally pass-driven league now. So the ability to pick up blitzes, the ability to pick up a blitz and then kind of bleed out of the backfield uh, for your quarterback as he extends things, uh, these are the things veterans handle better because it's all about repetition, it's all about experience, it's all about having done it before. Uh, And... You know, when we talk about college and and all the innovation they've done at that level as far as the spread game uh, goes, uh, still, you know, guys aren't asked to do as much at the college level, and and, and especially good running backs at the college level are basically asked to run the football and do little else. Uh, And then all of a sudden you're playing on Sundays and, and, and your head is swimming because you have all these other responsibilities and the last thing you want to do as a, as a rookie running back is get the quarterback killed because nothing will get you yeah. on the bench quicker uh so yeah it does make a lot of sense that that rookies will will try to stay in longer because they don't want to make that key mistake in pass protection uh and you know it's really difficult uh to to as I said, to generate some of the pass rushes and some of the blitzes and some of the schemes you see in the NFL defensively, which are so much more complicated than they've ever seen at the college level. So uh, that's that's one of the major things why you don't see a lot of a lot of rookie running backs 
uh, getting on the field, especially on third downs or, or, or obvious passing situations. I'll tell you something else, too, looking at bye week and things like that here with looking at getting Tate back in. You look at other changes that they could have made. I was a bit surprised, and I think it – got to tell you, I think it's more a function of not finding anybody that they liked more than giving another chance to Yount. But Christian Yount, the long snapper, uh, last time, remember Ryan Pomperian, a few years ago, you guys listening, uh, he was he was lights out for so long until – he just lost it, and once he lost it, he never got it back. Remember, they missed the, they botched an extra point and lost a game because of it. I, I was with my son at that game, and I'll never forget. He he experienced what being a Browns fan was like when the Browns didn't tie a game because they botched the extra point, and uh, and fans walked out of there going, "Wow!" And my son's like, "Wow, Dad." That was a really bad way to lose. I said, yeah, welcome to Cleveland, son. Welcome. But anyways, uh, as we've seen, when guys, when the long snapper goes, that's one of those ones. It's like a closer in baseball. Sometimes they don't get it back. Uh, but they didn't make the change. They brought in a couple of guys this week. Are, are you with me? I think they just didn't find anybody that they were comfortable with making that change. Because if you're going to switch it out, the bye week is when you do it. Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the, that's another one of those positions literally nobody thinks about because, you know, most of the long snappers in the NFL are so good and they stick around for so long because it is a very specialized skill to have. Not a lot of people have it. Uh and it's a lot more difficult than you think than it looks. Uh especially when you consider the speed uh, that you have to get the ball back there because these kicks they got to get off uh, very very quickly, uh, you know, especially uh, on a longer field goal. When you see a punter getting uh, a significant rush, there's not a lot of time uh, to get these kicks off. Uh, and you know, these long snappers obviously don't get a lot of, of publicity and things like that. And by and large, you know, think about it. You know, when you're watching these games this weekend, uh, you you don't even think about the long snapper because nine-tenths of the time, everything's perfect. Uh, and when it does go wrong, like you mentioned, you're shocked, you know, when there's a bad snap and somebody doesn't get a field goal off or they miss an extra point, uh, uh, something like that. It's It's almost shocking to the system because it's so rare. And it speaks to how 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 talented these guys are, what they do uh, as a whole. And it is you'll see. Uh, you look around the league, you'll see guys uh, playing long snapper for you know ten, twelve, thirteen years. Because once you get a good one, uh, you don't want to give them up. Yeah, I tell you what you said about people that uh, take it for granted. I see a comment in the chat room said, "How hard can it be? You bend over and snap the ball, and that's what people think." I mean, it, there's no denying it. Go out it. and try that's, it. Go out yeah, and try oh, it. I agree. Uh, it, oh, is, I it agree. is not easy. It is not easy. <laughs> and, and by the way, you cannot see if if you're on a if you're on a field watching uh, a special teams practice or not, uh, especially in the punting aspect. You you think how hard is it? You will not believe how fast that ball is heading back to that punter. Uh, it, it, it's coming back and it's coming back yeah. hot. So it's, it's like it came like, out of the uh, out of the jugs machine. You know that that's yeah. they're not just handing it to the quarterback behind them. You know, I mean, there's no. definitely and hey, try doing it with nobody on the field. 
let alone with everybody around you and defense coming after you and everything else. I'm just saying, um, I have snapped, bent over and say, hey, man, that can't be that hard. Wow, man. I can't even get the yeah, ball three feet it, back Mike there. Morris, <laughs> Mike Morris was uh, probably the most famous long snapper in the league. Um, it, it, he, he was so good at one point for, for Minnesota that he was on the cover of the Sporting News. Uh, and he's still a, a radio host in Minneapolis, and his nickname is the Superstar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All from that, and, yeah. And you know, he 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 was a long snapper about for about thirteen, fourteen years. But uh, again, you know, I I encourage you. You know, if anybody has the <laughs> chance to to go to training camp next year, you know, most people don't even pay attention to special teams and don't pay attention to the kickers and punters. They're off on the side uh, with the long snappers. Uh, you know, just watch them for uh, – watch the long snappers for uh, a couple minutes or so and see how fast that ball's coming back. Uh, you, you'll probably gain a, a new appreciation for what they do. I'll tell you, listening to John McMullen from the Sports Network, J-Rock here. We're rocking on the Sports Fix. Dan Wismar coming up next from the Cleveland Fan. We'll preview the Buckeyes coming up. But a couple of things before we go here. What do you think? Browns going on the road. Titans trying to jump off. As we said, they've been outscored by, what, nearly 100 points in the the last couple of games. Really embarrassed in their last game against Andrew Luck and the Colts, 41-17. Browns preparing for it out of a bye. What do you think happens this week? Do you think the Browns buckle down serious, go take care of business on the road, or do they come with a little bit of a malaise out of the bye week? Well, I don't know if there's going to be a malaise. I, I just, you know, I, it's it's a mentality, and I'm with it with the Saints now, and that's supposed to be a good team. And you mentioned the last time the Browns won on the road was in Minnesota last year. Yeah. Uh, and until they went on the road, it's tough to pick a team. So, you know, I, I think this is a dangerous situation. As I said, they're going in the face of a desperate Titans team uh, that I think is, is – uh, as I said, they're they're embarrassed by the way they played. I think maybe the worst thing for for Cleveland was the fact that they got beaten so soundly by Indianapolis. Uh, I, I think they're going to be ready to play, and I think it's going to be far more difficult than people think. And I, I I think you know Tennessee will probably get it done by a field goal or something. Wow. Well, hey, I, but you know what? What you said in there is the reason why I can totally dig what you just said. When the last time you won a game on the road was exactly 300 and actually a week beyond 365 days ago, that's where you can't take anything for granted because until you go out and do it again, I mean, they've only had one chance here this season, so we'll see. You went to Pittsburgh. We know what happened. Let's see if you, you know, retool. And there's speaking of retool, that was something I noticed Mike Pettin asked, you know, obviously about did you change anything on the run defense during the bye week. And, and, and as soon as I heard that asked, I'm like, well, okay, what can you really change this early into the season? You can ask guys to play harder, which is what he said he did. He, he asked everybody to go take an accounting of themselves and, and can they give more? All the stuff that you tell every player when you go to the bye week. But, I mean, outside of a few tweaks, outside of, you know, telling your corners to play tighter or your linebackers to squeeze in a little more, I mean, other than that, what really can you change three games into the season, you know? 
Well, and you're not really, again, that's where we talked about the overreaction aspect of the week-to-week and, and the fact that, you know, you you go through training camp and you, and you uh, try to develop your identity as a team and, and your identity as a defense, and you're not going to change it after three games. That would be silly. And, and generally, you know, just understanding the way coaches think, uh, when you have – uh, guys who've had success in the past, and certainly, if you look at a Carlos Dansby type, you know, he certainly has. Uh, the main issues coaches usually harp upon are, are uh, alignment responsibilities and getting in the proper gap, because that's usually the key to, to good run defense. Uh, and that's what I imagine they've been preaching. Uh, it's not going to be changing a, a philosophy. Uh, because you've struggled against the run and, and you had an extra week uh, to think about it. It's going to be uh, trying to coach up technique and trying to make guys understand they need to be more disciplined and, and, and play their gaps because one, the, one of the biggest issues for defensive coaches, uh, no matter what scheme they're playing, is the fact that, it, by general, you know, guys are looking to make plays and sometimes to make plays you, yeah. you forget about your responsibility and that's where you get, you know, those gash, those long runs and those those gashes because you have guys trying to do more than what they're asked on a particular play. So I would imagine that's what they've been, you know, trying to hammer home this week. Uh, that's funny, man. You talk about I remember I remember Sean Rogers when he used to play here and everybody said, Oh man, that's one of the few Pro Bowl players that the Browns have. Boy, he's so athletic. He can dunk a basketball. He's such a big guy and all that. And he's always making plays. And it wasn't until I had some guys, coaches, sit me down and then go, Now watch this. He's he seems like he's doing all these things, but he's going rogue. He's doing all his own stuff. He's he's leaving his gaps. He's leaving his guys out to dry. He's making his plays and actually making the defense worse instead of better because he's going for for his numbers and his stats and so on and so forth. And then and then that really opened my eyes to go, man, there's so many times that people don't realize that a guy could be going beast mode, you know, but he's that's not it's it's actually hurting the team. You would think, well, how a guy's making plays? But Jim Leonard said something this week, and it, and, and I was like, you know, that makes sense. Or he said it last week about he's been in this defense, and that a lot of these guys are just trying to do too much. Like what we just said, they just need to to peel, as much as it sounds like you should try harder. They need to peel back just a bit, stick within their assignments, and the defense will work. And you know that takes time, not just to do, but to trust. Because if you're Joe linebacker, you get paid based off what you do. So it's easy to say, be patient, let the plays come to you. So you got to learn to trust. Once the defense works a couple of games and everybody starts to trust that, okay, this is all going to come together, then that might work. But you've got to get there. You know, that's part of it is everybody's got to buy into each other and trust that they can play those individual roles and not have to go do their own thing. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons it's so difficult because you you don't know uh, what you know what defense is called, and you know we talked about some of the ratings you know uh, uh, in the past yeah. weeks, and and the fact that you know fans are trying to rate rate the games, and sometimes you know if you study enough football and and, and you understand what a team's philosophy is and what they're trying to accomplish, you get a pretty good idea 
on each particular play about a certain player's responsibility. Uh, but that doesn't mean you know you have a full knowledge and 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 you 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 have a full understanding of what they're trying to accomplish on one particular play and uh, you know it could be the fact that you're you're asking the nose tackle to to tie up two people and so the linebacker can make a play it could be you know uh, you're playing a cover three you're playing a cover two and and somebody releases the receiver. Uh, uh, before they should, or or maybe the cornerback doesn't get the 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 chuck in, in in the first five yards, and that that ruins everything. So it really is the ultimate team sport, where where you have you, you're trying to get eleven parts working in concert together, and that's what makes it so difficult because it's hard to do that. Uh, and you know you could have on one play. You could have ten guys doing the right thing and one guy doing the wrong thing, and and you could look awful. Uh, on another play, you, you could have six guys doing the wrong thing, but it works out for you because you know somebody breaks through. Uh, it, it that's why you know football is the most complicated sport uh, to follow, uh, at least amongst the major sports in our country. Uh, and you know, coaches get frustrated at times when when you know uh, people try to simplify things. Now that said, it's not brain surgery. We're not trying to go overboard. Uh, you know, coaches go overboard themselves at times too, and, and it's all about stopping. You know, at the end of the day, it's about stopping the other team. Yeah. Uh, and and in the instances you mentioned about Cleveland struggling against the run, that's the bottom line: is they've struggled against the run. So something's wrong, uh, and you got to fix something. And whether it is alignment and assignment issues and gap control and things like that, or or dare I say, coaches never want to hear this. Maybe you do have to tweak the scheme, but it's far too early uh, to make that judgment just yet. Yeah, Mike Pettin Sr. has to review a whole lot more footage before you get to changes. I get a laugh out of that. He always talks about before he's back from the from the game, his dad's got an email to him telling him all the things that they did wrong. I'm like, man, well, it can't hurt to have an extra set of eyes. Hopefully they put one on the sidelines this week. I do look to see if the, the, the fixable things are fixed. Do you got somebody counting 12 guys on the field? Do you got somebody making sure that those procedural things are fixed because you you found out it was a problem? Cool. Everybody makes a mistake. Everybody has too much on their plate. Fix it, and it's no big deal. I want to see those you can fix. Those aren't nobody nobody making plays, doing too much. That's something you can fix. So hopefully they did, and, uh, and we'll see, man. I'll be very interested to see how the Browns react to an early bye week and – going on the road here to a hostile environment trying to get a win. You brought up that run defense. I mean, you got Sean Green, Bishop Sankey's looking to get going. I mean, there's definitely you got some runners on the other side that are going to test that defense coming out of the bye. Yeah, and 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 as we said, I mean, you know, so much of this game depends on whether uh, Jake Locker is a quarterback for the Titans. Obviously, if he's not, that's going to help the Browns. No. What the status you know, is he's not. He's not, you know, Obviously, he's not a great quarterback or anything like that, but he is significantly better than than Charlie Whitehurst. He is significantly better than yes. uh, uh, Zach Mettenberger at this point. So, uh, you know, and and the fact that they've they've struggled too much, struggled so much is 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 
at times hurtful in this league because, as I mentioned, and you just saw it on Monday night, you know, these teams that come off uh, a poor performance or, or, or things like that, we saw it with Indianapolis after they lost the, their first two games and all of a sudden they're, you know, ringing up 40 points uh, in back-to-back weeks. You see it time and time again. Uh, teams coming off a loss, uh, it's just human nature. You start to buckle down and take things more seriously. Uh, and it's still early enough in the season where you don't have teams checking out. You know, later in the season, if you, you'll see it every year, teams that are struggling, then you can kind of get a feel that, all right, this team's done. Uh, this team's not going to be competitive. They just kind of, whether they checked out on their coach or they checked out on the season, uh, you see that late in the season. You've seen it all too much, in fact, in Cleveland over the years. Uh, oh, yeah. But early in the season, and it's still early, these teams are still are still playing hard, and they're still trying to get uh, trying to get in, in in the winning column. John McMullen from the Sports Network. Always a great conversation. Look forward to catching up with you next week, and we'll talk about the uh, all the latest slate of games. We'll see how the Browns. Every day, we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Went into Tennessee and how they came out of it and all the latest going on. John, enjoy the weekend slate of games, and I look forward to catching up with you next week. All right. Good talking to you. All right. John McMullen. You guys can check him out. As always, he writes for the Sports Network. Also, his articles syndicated in different newspapers around the country. Always a good read when you check out John McMullen and his work for the Sports Network. And And you listen to him. Every Monday. I know it's Wednesday, but he's usually with us every Monday at noon right here on the Sports Fix. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Wismar from the Cleveland Fan joins us, and we'll talk about the Buckeyes back in action. Get his thoughts on the Ra- or the Royals and the A's and Michigan and Brady Hoke and, and the Fan. Hey, we got the latest update on the Fan who took the slam heard around the world the other day from Coach Slagle. Let's talk some Buckeyes and baseball and so much more with Dan Wismar from the Cleveland Fan. And coming up next here on the Sports Fix, don't go anywhere. Sounded like I should have said something else, so I'm going to say something else because we'll be right back. <laughs> G-Funk, step to this, I dare you. Funk, on a whole new level. The rhythm is the bass and the bass is the treble. Chords, strings, we brings. The Sports Fix, your choice for intelligent talk. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved it. That was great. 
Intelligent talk. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good. It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. These guys must be on the wrong station. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get them away. Hey, boo. Boo. The Sports Fix. It's The Sports Fix. We'll be right back. Football season is party season at Harry Buffalo North Olmstead. Everyone wins at Harry Buffalo. Every Saturday is Coors Light College Football Saturday with $6 pitchers, four bottles for 10 bucks, and the Buckeyes in full HD. Football season is most definitely party season, and your headquarters is Harry Buffalo North Olmstead all winter long. Harry Buffalo, join the herd. Sports Fix listeners, don't wait all week to join in on the fun. Follow the Sports Fix on Facebook. Follow the Sports Fix on Facebook. They love friends. It's just a click away. Exclusive contests, trivia, tickets, and giveaways from the hottest sports show in town. The Sports Fix. Become a friend and follow the Sports Fix on Facebook today. Hey, everybody. Listen up. Listen up, guys. Hey, guys. Listen Listen up. No one should ever hit a woman. Not their wife, not their girlfriend, not their date. No woman should have to fear violence, especially not from someone they know and trust. But that's the reality for too many women. We have to change it. It's up to each of us, because even one is too many. Violence against women hurts all of us. Growing up, I was ashamed and afraid of my father when he abused my mom. The worst abuse of power is when a man raises his hand to hurt a woman. We all have to take responsibility. So if you see someone threatening a woman, step up, speak out, and get help. Dating violence hurts all of us. So step up and help end it. Because one is too many. One is too many. One is too many. One is too many. End the violence. Because it's wrong. Because one, one is too many. Hey, you guys are rocking with Reggie Germany, former wide receiver of the Buffalo Bills and Ohio State Buckeye. You're rocking with the Sports Fix. Welcome back to the Sports Fix, rolling on in hour two here across the Sports Fix radio network. J-Rock, Jerry Myers, thank you guys for joining me. Back with you here live, getting ready to go to the hotline. Dan Wismar from the Cleveland Fans going to join me here. In the meantime, if you can't get through because we're not taking your calls, hit us up on Facebook and Twitter, facebook.com slash the Sports Fix. Tweet with us at the Sports Fix, C-L-E, email us. The Sports Fixed at AOL.com. Still haven't fixed whatever was wrong. I don't care. Having too much fun to worry about it now. Okay, I'm lying. I'm still worried about it every second of the show. But I'm going to go to the phones and keep it moving with Dan Wismar from the Cleveland Fan with us as always on Wednesdays. Dan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Derek. Good to be back with you. Good to have you back with us here, and uh, thank you for joining us. Middle of the week here. Before we even get to talking some football, Buckeyes, anything, last night, did you? Uh, were you watching the game? I mean, I know you said you were kind of sentimentally rooting for the uh, for the Royals. I can't lie. I'm trying to be as curmudgeonly as possible here and root for nobody. But, man, 
it's kind of hard not to go, oh, well, I kind of like what the Royals got a little spunk in them there, man, you know, but uh, I'm going to say Yeah, you know, when, in- I, when, I, when I watch a game and I don't really have a profound rooting interest going into the game, sometimes I, I don't even know who I'm rooting for till I turn it on and I just, my gut tells me which team I'm rooting for. And, and uh, I ended up pulling for the Royals last night. It was a great game. I, you know, I, I couldn't believe, first of all, that they were able to, Climbed back in it uh, from down four runs. Twice. And, and that was just remarkable. You know, the thing that was remarkable to me, and, and my whole Twitter feed and everything I was reading during the game was was just bashing Yost. Uh, he, he took a lot of heat that, you know, his team has won despite him rather than because of him. And, and I, I think there's got there's some truth to that. One of the things I could not believe was that they were stealing bases down four runs. They were they were they had a man on down three runs and they're taking off for second base. I understand that's their game and, and that's how they got where they are by being fearless and, and, and running and using their speed uh, to win games. But man oh man, even one of those four stolen bases in that one inning, even one of those guys gets thrown out and and uh, you've got some serious second guessing going on in terms of strategy. That that was one thing that surprised me. It all worked out for them. They they did not get caught stealing. I don't believe all night long. I think what five tries? They got but, seven. Wow, um, seven. trying to steal second base with one out and down three runs. Even after they scored one, they're still down three with a man on and, and a man out, and they're stealing second base. I just I was scratching my head about that. Seven steals in that game set the uh, the postseason record, and uh, it was the seventy five Cincinnati Reds and the nineteen oh seven Chicago Cubs. The only other team and, and it to was steal. without a without a caught stealing. I mean, seven for seven, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, see, I I don't second guess that. I I could see second guessing him from from some of the moves that he makes. Man, but it, that's your game. Like that's what you do. And I know what you're saying. You can get thrown, but at the same time. Like, it's like when a team gets down two touchdowns and they're a great running team, and all of a sudden the offensive coordinator starts running nothing but passes. And you're like, well, you just played right into the hands of the other team. But I know what you're saying. Those are risks to take. But you know what? You're down that much at that point. I mean, you're facing a good pitcher on the other side. I mean, I look at it the other way like, man, that's man, your go win that game. Go win that game, you know? Game, Boy, uh, it was. Uh, it certainly was risky, and yes, uh, I was. guess if you're down four runs in the seventh inning. Uh, but that's you know, you're it. not worried about what's risky. You're worried that's, about trying that's to. That's what I mean. Uh, down. Pull out, pull out all the stops to get back in it, and obviously they did that. It worked out for them, and, and it was, uh, you know, after boy, after leaving uh, runners on third base with less than two outs, what three or four times uh, in those late innings and in the extra innings. Uh, and Perez, who had looked so miserable oh. uh, in a couple of his earlier at bats, oh, looked man. like he had never seen a curveball before, <laughs> and, and waving at pitches two feet off the outside corner, uh, for him to get the big hit to win it was uh, was really kind of uh, fitting, I guess, and, and uh, ironic, however you want to put it. But uh, yeah, I, I love baseball, and, and uh, you know, playoff baseball is the greatest. Uh, you know, it didn't matter who you're rooting for. Uh, a nine-eight extra inning game for your wild card game. I mean. Uh, answer to uh, you know everything MLB could have wanted and more. Oh man, you know I mentioned Perez earlier, man. <laughs> he came up that last time and said, <laughs> "Joe Boo, if you don't help me hit curveball, I'd do it myself." Because man, that one in the eighth inning, I'm telling you, that may have been the worst 
playoff at bat that I've seen a guy have, man. He and Omar I, Omar Infante wasn't a whole lot better right no. after that. I mean, here here's Omar Infante who who owns the Indians, who who comes up with big hit after big hit for the you know for them against the Indians, whether he's on the Tigers or whether he's on the Royals. Uh, and and here he is looking like uh, looking like he's never seen a uh, a slider down in a way before. I mean, they're just waving at balls and missing them by a foot. And I said, where's where's the Omar Infante that played against the Indians all year? And they've got a huge two run two out double against us in a crucial game. You know, where's that guy? Uh, but yeah, they, uh, they they obviously came through in the end. You know, too, I didn't know this until I saw it on my post game notes. That is only the second. Winner take all postseason game to go more than twelve or to go twelve or more innings. It's only the second time in history that a winner go home game went into that deep into the game, and the last one was a hundred years ago, nineteen twenty four in the World Series, uh, game seven there against uh, the Senators and the Giants. Not the same Giants and not the same Senators that exist today, by the way. But uh, anyways. Uh, yeah, just a hell of a game, man. And uh, and again, what where does Oakland sit now? Like I was talking about at the beginning of the show, because you make your big move and and you you kind of move your chips in on the table, and you're in no better of a position than you've been every other season that's ended here. So you know you've got to be scratching your head and going, man, was that was that a risk worth taking? I mean, then I mean. I don't know. I guess in a game like that, maybe you could have used more offense. I don't know what – I mean, I'm not looking at just that game. But clearly, you didn't make that trade to go, we're going to win one playoff – or we're going to get to one playoff game, you know? Yeah, that's true. By the same token, you've got to believe uh, they go into the game saying, hey, we got John Lester going and we're going to yeah. score eight runs. You know, they, they score eight runs and they, they, they can't won. win the ball game. So <laughs> yeah. uh, they're not looking at it as, as how offense was their problem. I did hear some of the talking heads yesterday – Kicking around the uh, Cespedes, uh, you know, Lester trade, and and uh, talking about how Oakland really just felt that you know they they had one more season worth of Cespedes, but they didn't believe they were going to be able to sign Cespedes after the 2015 season. So, uh, you know, that sort of helps to at least justify what they what they decided to do that and the, the all important uh, uh, starting pitching factor. Uh, but I guess you got to say well, that right now, uh, Billy Billy Ball is uh, Billy Ball has lost a little bit of the uh, the luster off of that uh, uh, off of that program there, and, and uh, you know, who knows where they where they go from here. But yeah, I think they they're a team that that hits the ball and they hit the long ball, and, uh, and they they're a starting pitching and three run homer. They're a Earl Weaver kind of team, I guess you'd say. Um, but uh, they they really did gut the middle of that lineup when they lost Espinosa. And uh, who knows whether that front office is is uh, doing some soul searching this morning or not? Well, they should be because I hear you about the one more season. But I would me if I'm looking at it and going, I've got my choice of a season and a half, and I could still trade Cespedes next year and get good value because we see what kind of deals people make at the trade deadline, or six weeks or eight weeks or whatever it was of of Lester. I don't know, man. I know pitching's at a premium, but obviously they were convinced that that was the piece that they were missing, that they needed another pitcher there to, to take the ball for him during the playoffs. And I agree with what you said. At the end of the day, when you throw John Lester out there and you, <laughs> you score eight runs, there's no way before the game, if you tell them that, that they're not going to go, cool, we're going to win this game because you would have thought that they would. It didn't play out that way. And uh, Yeah, the thing that the thing that was a little bit confusing to me was I thought it was, it was almost overkill 
because just days or weeks before that they had acquired Samarja, and I'm thinking, okay, well, yes. there's your there's your veteran starting pitcher move, you know, to to put you over the hump, and then they. And then they made the, the other trade for Lester. I thought, wow, that that really was a little bit of a shocker. And and uh, they just not like they had bad starting pitching before either of those moves. And they had the right guy out there. I will say that in his career against the Royals, Lester. I mean, this is what I mean. You would have thought they had it less than a two ERA hitters from the Royals bat less than two hundred against them. Three and zero this year against them. I mean, you know, you had your guy out there, but it would be very. Uh, interesting to see how Oakland now heads into the postseason. Meanwhile, Kansas City is going to... And you know what? I didn't even know this until afterwards. I didn't even realize it because we talk about Moneyball and how successful Oakland's been. Do you realize that this now makes eight seasons since Oakland has won a playoff series? Wow, I did not know that. Uh, And it's kind of fortunate uh, that the Kansas City wins this game because going back to the Yost uh, factor... Uh, how in the world do you know? First of all, the the most ticked off guy in the in the ballpark had to be James Shields. Uh, you know, you you put a couple of guys on, and yeah, you've given up three runs already. But uh, you, you know, you you put the first two guys on in the inning. What was it, the fifth or the sixth? And uh, and he pulls you and doesn't bring in a relief pitcher from the best bullpen in the in baseball. I know, but but brings in a starter, Cole, who gives serves up a three run homer, and all of a sudden you're you know you're really up against it. And, um, you know, Yost, they'd still be talking about that move uh, if uh, if the A's had won that game. It kind of got lost in the shuffle since the Royals won. But that was uh, really, if you want to talk about a boneheaded managerial move, it's bring a guy in who's never been a relief pitcher. Uh, I, I'm not sure what uh, what Ventura has done. Uh, but he in terms had of just pitched the, spot, you know, the day before. Things out of the bullpen. But basically, he's a starter. You've got the best bullpen in baseball, and you're not using it at a crucial time in a play in an elimination playoff game. Uh, Certainly a questionable move, and and the the people were using Yost Yost as a verb. Uh, oh, yeah. Yosted Shields got Yosted, you know yeah. <laughs> that that kind of thing. So I was kind of getting a kick out of that last night, just following Twitter during the game. I mean, I could see Ventura again if you're going into extras and you're like, okay, man, let's put one of let's put a guy out here. But I mean, actually, he had just. I'm almost positive. I I can't find it in front of me, but I'm almost positive he had just pitched. On Sunday, did he not? And it was like uh, and, and through like seventy like some pitches. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, that was the thing on a one day me. one day rest. Uh, and you got one of the best bullpens in baseball coming off seventy some pitches. Yeah, I did read that, and and uh, so all the more reason to to question the move. But uh, people are going to forget about that now, and and they've got a a, a seven game series. By the way, Jerry, I just thought I'd ask you. Yeah. I, I am not a big fan of one game, you know, elimination after a 162-game schedule. Um, how do you feel about the one-game thing? Major League Baseball seems to be enamored of it. I, I don't I don't think it's fair. I think at the minimum it ought to be a three-game series in the Two wild card. Well, where I'm are you me. on that whole one-game deal? Two out of three. Two out of three. That, to me, would be the fairest way of, of going about doing it, which is kind of a modern adaptation of the – uh, you know, original way, you know, three out of five, you know, in the, uh, right, right. You know, like, you in know, the, even in the first round, used yeah. to have that in their, in their first round, they, their first round used to be the five game series. And then the second and right. third would be the seven game series. And then they, for money value decided to add the extra games. But yeah, I, I mean, it's easier to say it this year because it doesn't involve the Indians. Last year, it just sounded like sour grapes. Oh, well, it shouldn't be one and done. The Indians lost, but I, it does feel like, I, I get it that it puts a premium on winning your division. Like, that does 
that really adds value to that because now you're guaranteed an actual playoff series and the people that you know can't win five games down the stretch you know when they need to and they're they're you know what i mean with everybody's losing all that look at the way the last two weeks played out nobody wanted them playoff spots i'm telling you man they were trying to give them to the indians the indians just didn't cooperate enough down the stretch but that's that's kind of but i'm with you it sucks to go 162 and be with it the whole way and then be one and done but i do like the value that it places on winning your division because it makes that at the utmost premium yeah that's true there's an upside to it and and i guess uh, major league baseball you know takes account of what their fans think and, and i think uh I think it's a popular thing with fans in general. It, it, it must be, or they, they had to do some poll testing or whatever to, to know how this would, how this would go over. And they seem to feel that this is what fans like. And, and, uh, they, they must have some, uh, real statistical basis for what they decided to do. So I don't know. It's just, I'm just not a big fan of it. I think, uh, yeah. I think a two out of three thing is, uh, is obviously a much more fair test of it. And uh, I guess, you're already up against a problem in Major League Baseball, and that is snow for World yeah, Series games. You know, in the first of November, I, I can remember in '95, uh, it snowed at, at Progressive Field at Jacobs Field, uh, sure uh, one of the World Series games that I went to, the one that Eddie Murray won with a base hit. Uh, uh, I, I remember it was there were snowflakes flying that entire game, and everybody was freezing. Uh, and, and we're playing games later and later now, and. Uh, just you get into November and you've got an East Coast team in the World Series, you've got a real good chance of playing in a snowstorm. Yeah, I mean, to go two out of three, because that was my solution, too, when I look at it, is that you look at the back end of the schedule and you go, well, damn, now we're going to be going up till Thanksgiving here playing games. But the, the other side of that, though, is not necessarily, because I was talking to some friends one time about this, and I said, well, we were throwing out different ideas. It's like, couldn't you do two out of three? But it's all three games in a row. I mean, you shouldn't get the benefit of a day off if you got the wild card. You're going to play three in a row. You're going to play Monday, but Tuesday, the, Wednesday. At the same time, though, you've got to you've got to have the capability of playing a game in in both ballparks. That's true. Uh, so That's you, you true. might have to play uh, no consecutive day. days, but yeah. you still got to have a travel uh, thing. And they normally leave a travel day, but in the playoffs. But I, agree. Uh, I guess I you wouldn't agree. be able You're to right. have that. Any anything that extends You're the right. season, though, there's going to be a, a legit argument against just because of weather. Yeah, and I didn't even think about the travel. You're right, there has to be a travel day in there. Otherwise, I mean, because I'm thinking of how you could truncate it. I didn't even play that into the end of the thought. But, yeah, I mean, hey, it is what it is. And you're right. seems like a lot of fans dig the, the one-and-done aspect of it, you know, and a lot of, you know, baseball you know, and basketball have their series. Everybody else is, is one-and-done, the Final Four, you know, NCAA, stuff like that. So, I don't know. But I, I, it does feel, especially last year when you come out on the losing end of it, like, man, that was a whole lot of work to put in to come out of this thing with just a one-and-done here in the playoffs, man. And, yeah, I mentioned about the A's. The 2000 Six division series. They swept Minnesota. That's the last playoff series that the Oakland A's have won. So for all the talk of the success, and I was joking with with Bruce Wood earlier before the show. He sent me a message, and I was going to ask you this anyway. Said that supposedly there's a couple of parties meeting with the Dolans today in regards to potential sale of the Indians. So there is some stuff going on where there's at least some 
some discussions going on, you know, people figuring out who's coming from where and all that stuff. And uh, and I was I told him, I said, I said, look, I said, I understand Moneyball. I appreciate the thought and the work that goes into it, but I hate it. I'm just going to be honest. I'm like most fans. I cannot stand figuring out how many, you know, wins over replacement this guy. And you're trying to justify why this guy is only worth that much. And this, I, I would rather just, just go out and get the best players. And I really don't care what the owner spends because that's, what you do when you own a team. Like, I would prefer it be, we all would. We would prefer that it just be that way. Here's the players we need. Let's go out and go get them and, and then throw them on the field and see what happens. I understand and appreciate Moneyball, but just as a fan, I don't like it. I would prefer not to have to deal with it. I, because at the end of the day, it's a lot of work, a whole lot of work for your front office, for your team, for your managers, and for your fans to put together a whole perfect offseason of budget signings. Then go through a whole 162-game season of getting the most, ringing the absolute most out of that roster that you can to get to the playoffs and lose in the first game or the first round every year for 10 straight years. That is a lot of work for a very hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. A little reward, in my opinion. Well, uh, you can look at it that way, and, and uh, also you can look at it in the way of uh, the old saying that necessity is the mother of invention, that, that this didn't just happen on the, uh, by, by chance, or this wasn't, this was something that uh, a small market team was felt that they had to deal with, and I felt that this was the path that they had to take to maximize the dollars that they spent because the dollars that they had were limited. And, uh, and so this was, you know, the smart way to go, and and uh, and they had to do this, and they what? owed it to their fans to be this way uh, because they had limited resources. So you know, you can see both sides of it. Uh, you know, they're they, they're not playing Moneyball because they have unlimited money, and they're doing it because they don't have unlimited money. And and uh, uh, so that's uh, you know, the, the preference would be an owner with more money than sense who who just hires some knowledgeable baseball people to run yep. his team and and, and manage it. Um, that that's the perfect world. That's uh, that that's what the Steinbrenners and, and people of Izok did for years and years, uh, and and what some teams are able to do every single year, uh, picking over the best of the free agents and let me see what I like to sign, Lester Shields or, you know X Y Z free agent pitcher, um, you know and you and you pretty much have your pick and really frankly the players don't have a whole lot of say in where they're going because the union pressures dictate that the uh, the guy that has the last dollar will will get the player, 
um, couple of things, and uh, you know, agents have a little bit of input into that. But uh, you know, there's there's a lot of pressure for these players to to go where the guy is going to pay them the the last the last dollar. I think Jim I mean, Tomey and Cecil Sabathia both faced that that reality when they became free agents. Even had they wanted to stay in Cleveland, they were not going to be permitted to. I get that, and I've got some counterpoints to a couple of things. Number one is I'm not one of the fans that wants the Indians to sign Lester and Scherzer and Shields in the offseason, but I would prefer if you picked one of them and signed them. You know what I mean? Like, I would prefer that you target one or two of the better players in the game and attempt to put them on your team. I'm not asking you to be the Dodgers and have a $300 million outfield with one of them that doesn't even play. I'm just saying, you know, uh, that, but, but, but here's my thing is everything you just said makes total sense if you buy the argument that the Indians are playing money ball because the money coming in because of the attendance is minimal and blah, blah, blah in the small market. I'm also of the, and this is not just a Dolan issue, this is baseball in general. I'm one of those people that believes that every single one of them are disingenuous about the money that they make. I believe that. These teams make a truckload more money behind the scenes than than people realize. Now, I know they've got a lot to pay out, too, but between the, the money, the revenue that comes in from the TV, which has grown in the last 10 years, that changes this argument because just like football, that money just continues to grow, and it's split amongst the teams as well as the revenue sharing. Now, I understand that the Dodgers and the Yankees have their network that will pay them hundreds of millions more than that. Okay, I get that point. That's where those teams have an advantage in spending $300 million on your payroll. I understand that that's why the Dodgers can do that. But there's more than enough money being made behind the scenes from revenue sharing and more from the TV money that all of these teams are given on a national level to field more than a $100 million payroll. And that is where a lot of people see ownership pinching pennies to make a profit, which I'm not going to blame any businessman for wanting to make a profit. I would just rather, I'd rather deal with the asshole that goes, hey, look, I'm going to make a profit on my investment and I'm going to spend wisely and I'm not going to throw my money away. But don't act like the money's not there to be spent because that's where I disagree with some people. When you see... And I know Forbes' numbers, baseball swears that they're not true. But when they claim that the most horrible team in baseball history was also the most profitable team in baseball history, that's a problem. And that's telling me that you guys are making way more money than you than you let on. Well, yeah, and there certainly is a problem, in, I think, in all pro sports with transparency about where the dollars are coming from and all these uh, – uh, the secondary dollars, and I'm talking about concessions, I'm talking about parking, I'm talking about uh, advertising, and all those kinds of areas where uh, where the money is sort of off book, and uh, and there really is no way for the fan or the public uh, to uh, to get a get their arm wrapped around it and really take a look at it because uh, it's being very well masked by by the by the clubs and by the the sports in general. So certainly there's a there's an issue there. Uh, but like you say, uh, the, the the numbers that are public are the numbers that you get for cable TV rights, where where the Yankees get 150 million and the Indians get 15. You know, uh, that's that's a very quantifiable difference, and, it, and it's a difference between uh, not caring whether your free agents work out or not because you just throw them on the trash heap if they don't go sign another one, 
and and a team that has to be more judicious about how their money gets spent. So, uh, the uh, I, I guess you feel that if there's off book dollars, that the off book dollars, whether it's parking concessions or or club seating or whatever it might happen to be, is uh, a relative constant uh, from one club to another yeah. uh, versus the the hundred million dollar per year differences that there are in uh, in cable TV rights. Right, you know, and again, I'm a business guy. I get that. I'm on that side of the ledger too. Like I'm I I'm not standing here saying, you know, you should be forced to lose money because you made the decision to own a team or whatever, but you know, I mean, you got I get I get that. I don't know. There's just there's a lot of mixed bags to it. And that's why I say I don't beat the Dolans or the worst owners in the history of the world. They're not the best either. There's things I don't like about what they've done. Uh, but there's things that they, they get blamed for that's not their fault, too. So it's a double-edged sword. That being said, would I have any problem with them selling the team to somebody that says, you know what, it's a status thing to own a team? And see, that's where that's where I get into it, too, is, is you got different kinds of owners. you got owners that have more money than they know what to do with that strictly own a team for the – the, the ability to say I own a team and hey look at me I'm the big shot and I own a football yeah. team or I own a baseball it's an, it's team. an ego it's an ego project with exactly, a lot of them for sure. you know and I remember Dan Coughlin I don't know if you you remember Dan long time oh Cleveland. sure yeah Absolutely. long time yeah. Cleveland guy he was on the show a couple of times and and he brought that up before he goes man he said you know people talk about Modell and they talk about the Dolans and this and that he said you know where everybody messed up they just twisted it up when they were bringing the expansion team back. He goes, where Cleveland went wrong is the Dolan family was trying to get the football team. They were trying to be the team, and I think they were the ones that had Bernie Kosar as part of their uh, their backing group. Their, their group, yeah. But, uh, they were trying to get the football team, and instead, you know, things ended up the way they did where Lerner got moved into the football slot, so then the Dolans turned their attention to acquiring another team in Cleveland, which ended up being the Indians. The difference is, is that baseball is an uncapped sport where money can be spent freely like water. And uh, and Dan was like, Jerry, what people don't realize is the Dolans would have been just fine in a capped sport. Nobody would be calling them cheap because they would have spent whatever they had to to be competitive. Don Shula was going to be the general manager and was going to run the football operations. And he goes, instead, they ended up in a sport where it just turned into the Wild West with the salary and it very quickly spiraled to a place that they have no interest in going yeah that's true and, and they did suffer some some financial setbacks as a, as a family or ownership whether cable vision and all this kind yep. of things where where they ended up taking a, a, a huge bath and they their, their actual net worth was knocked down in 2007 and eight just like uh yep. you know the rest of the world and uh, and the tribe i think suffered from from some of that but yeah uh it's uh you know like we've talked before i mean i'm sure the the city would welcome a new owner with open arms and uh whatever he's done in his life to become a billionaire it's going to be fine with them and and uh you know it would it would help the enthusiasm and help the attendance and help everything else if uh if we could uh shed the dolans here no matter how good or bad they've been as owners uh a change would be an improvement i think in the eyes of most fans and uh the the most fans even the uninformed fan the least informed fan in the city those are the people that we need to get down to the ballpark yeah. um, <laughs> you know bottom line those are the people that are going to be uh helping us fill that stadium and and that's really what it's all about put butts in chairs it doesn't really matter whether they're uh you know uh, serious baseball fans or seriously knowledgeable about the state of the franchise or the ownership 
uh, we just need to buy some tickets and get their butts down there. And that's it. That's key. And that could be part of that, too, is is putting a fresh coat of paint over things and showing, like you said, the most casual of the fan base, you know, that uh, there's something going on here, too. And I just believe that this upcoming season is crucial for the Indians as far as getting back the fans. I know people say, well, two years ago they had to really, okay, I think it's more crucial now because of everything that's coming together in Cleveland with the, and you know, it's you know, funny you mention that. It's funny you mention that, Jerry, because I just got some sense this morning and there are two things that did it. I saw a picture of Brian Hoyer on Twitter. It was going to be featured in ESPN, the magazine. I heard yep. about the Josh Gordon article and heard on the Sports Talk Radio this morning uh, excerpts from that being being read on the air about Josh Gordon by Liz Merrill. Uh, and my understanding is that the next issue of ESPN, the magazine, is going to be, quote-unquote, the Cleveland issue. Cleveland issue. It, yes, it is. It's a Cleveland right. issue of ESPN, the magazine. So it's just what you're saying. Uh, the sports world's focus is on this town right now for, for a variety of reasons, some of them worthwhile, some of them not so worthwhile, Johnny. But, um, you know, LeBron, Johnny, whatever, yeah, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's the Cleveland issue of ESPN, the magazine. Now, when in the world have we ever heard of any such ridiculous thing before? All of a sudden, we've got the Cleveland issue of ESPN, the magazine. So anyway, it just goes to your point that uh, the, the Indians could benefit by general enthusiasm surrounding Cleveland sports uh, for all kinds of reasons, namely LeBron, but... Uh, uh, also a little bit of renewed enthusiasm about the Browns and, and the tribe can be a beneficiaries of that if they're smart enough to take advantage of it. Yeah, think about it, Dan. In March, when the Cavs are making a playoff push and they should be at their full chest beaten out, we feel good about ourselves by that point in the season. And, of course, it's draft time for the Browns. Everybody gets into that. and Hopefully it's a lower pick this year. But point being is, with everything, and you'll be coming out of what hopefully is a positive end to the football season, if you've got Bro Ohio on billboards around town, that's going to have the opposite effect. And I'm not trying to... to to just, you know, rain on Nick Swisher, but he's the target for a lot of this because he's the highest paid, lowest producing of the group of guys that people have a problem with. But that would do the opposite to me of turning people on. That's going to turn the fan base. I've already, the number one comment that I've gotten this week is that press conference Monday could have just been summed up as we're not going to change anything. We're coming in with the same team next year and we expect guys to play better. And I was like, man, that's not exactly the way I took it. But if that's the way the fan base took it, that's not the best feeling to head into the offseason. But, yeah, you're going to get swept up in all this momentum and fall further behind. And the listen, the last thing I want, and I know the last thing Dan wants, is no Indians in Cleveland. That's not a good scenario for anybody. That's true, and that's uh, and that's the direction you're headed if you continue to draw fifteen thousand yeah. uh, on average uh, per for a home date. Uh, that's that's just the way it goes. That's uh, you know you can you can do everything when when the team wins ninety two games and you still average fifteen thousand fans, and then you actually drop down the following year. Uh, yep, uh, like, like you pointed out the other day, it's uh, not a recipe for long term success. They got to do something, and we we dashed it over. But uh, interesting how the uh, uh, how how ESPN the magazine has seen fit to to come out with a Cleveland issue. I just think that's endlessly interesting, and uh, uh, sounds like the Josh Gordon article is is a article is very sympathetic to him in terms of the the tests that he had to go through and the, and the dozens and dozens of tests and the repeated demands on Read his it? time and 
hundreds of tests over a couple of years, and then it's just, uh, it looks like it's painting a very sympathetic portrait of him. Did you read it yet, or no? Did you not? No, I haven't, but I have read some excerpts, and I have read some comments yeah. on it, and I heard a, a pretty, uh, you know, some, some, some highlights of it uh, read on uh, on one of the sports talk shows this morning on my way in. So uh, just uh, sounds like, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a, an hour-long interview the writer spent with him, uh, talk about his insecurities, a little bit about his upbringing with his brother, and and uh, you know, kind of a kind of troubled childhood or whatever you want to call it. And just, but more, it's just the routine that he's had to go through. And we talked a little bit about this uh, on this show, Jerry, about the idea that you know, guys coming in. He was in stage two of the NFL drug rehab program when he was drafted, the day he became a Cleveland Brown and signed. Now, I don't think a player should have to bring with them all of the sins of their past. The fact that he, you know, uh, all the way back to high school, I guess his first arrest for marijuana was when he was 17 years old, a senior in high school. Uh, and then, of course, had some, some positive tests, one or more, at, at Baylor. Uh, but, man, I don't think that that baggage should, should necessarily have to be carried into the NFL. You don't, you don't start a new job and, and have your employer saying, well, you know, I see that four years ago at XYZ Company, they put you on probation for tardiness. You know, we're going to, we're going to, you know, be on you about that. And, and I just don't think that those things should carry over from, from your youth, whether it's high school or college, over to your, your new profession that you're starting out as a freshly minted adult, you know, presumably at the age of 21 or 22. I just think that's, that's unfair. And, and, uh, he's been subjected to, uh, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of tests for, you know, after he became a pro without having done anything as a pro. Yeah, he talked. I, I read the article, and uh, he brought up, you know, you feel like you're on probation from day one. How he believes that he was brought into the league, and it's true. It's how he ended up. People keep going. Well, I keep missing a step. It's because he started on step two of the thing when he started in the league, which was something that some people didn't catch on to right away with that. But you know, the article was amazing. There was one part where it talked about him, you know, the 180 plus tests that he's taken since he's been in the NFL. But he he brought up one time that he was in the water jet skiing out in Florida and his phone rings while he's on the boat and he literally And he's got he's got like the, four hours or something yeah, from that moment. He's like, guys, we gotta leave. I have a test right now. And he literally had to turn around and go right then and there. I mean, and I get it that that's what you, you have to deal with. I'm just saying, but when you, when you, when you hear it from his side and he really was pretty open and, and, and like you said, the article was pretty sympathetic towards his case and he continues to say i'm not addicted to anything i don't even know where i would start if i was addicted to something you know and uh and but you go through this regardless of that aspect of it which is something that only he and the people that he's dealing with know whether he's got issues with stuff or not but still i think of myself coming out and and just think of being a kid and then you look at how some of the stuff you did especially in college like i get it that we can't have and we don't want, uh, you know, a certain level of, of tolerance of things at the NFL because it's a privilege and it's not a right to play there. At the same time, when you're pulled over, passed out in a Taco Bell with weed in your car and that turns out to be a strike held against you, but it's in college. It's while you're in college and then you go into the pros. I just think, man, 
people would look at me a lot differently than they do. People that hold me in pretty good esteem would look at me differently if they knew some of the goofy things that I did when I was 18 and 19 and 20 and 21. It would be it wouldn't be fair almost because I am far from that person now. Oh, exactly. I mean, raise your hand if you didn't do anything stupid right. when you were 20 years old. You know, come on. There's, there's, not, a, there's not a hand in the room or something. Um, so, yeah, certainly certain, not mine. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. I just I just think it's slightly unfair. And, and uh, I'm glad to see uh, an article come out that's uh, relatively sympathetic to the guy and then telling his side of the story because it deserves to be told. And uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, uh, he, he's obviously got a got a state of the straight and narrow, and he, he is saying, if I'm not mistaken, and I understand that this is in the article, that he has said he has not smoked marijuana since he's been in the NFL. That's what he says. That's exactly that, what, that's he what he says. That's what he says. So for, yeah. for better or for worse, uh, true or not, uh, that's his, that's his uh, story. He's sticking to it. Uh, and, uh, you know, the one positive test in the NFL was for something besides the marijuana for Cody. And, uh, and the other test was, uh, uh, they say, the, the uh, the results of it, the uh, were, were uh, you know, could have been caused by secondhand smoke, right. which is what he's saying at were. So uh, it's not as though he's looking like a bald-faced liar when he says that he hasn't smoked pot since he's been in the NFL. Who knows? You can believe him or not. But uh, interesting. At least he's getting his, uh, his side of the story out there in public, and I suppose that's and a good thing. More than him coming back now, this is the thing I do like about the drug policy as a whole, more than just Josh Gordon, but about any of them, is that you're no longer permanently um, stuck at the next stage. If right, only, you can you can only be amnestied after two years of of no no positive tests. If if only when it comes to marijuana, not when it comes to some of the other the performance enhancing, but when it comes to I know marijuana and I do believe that may be the only one on that level, but if you go a year, if that was your transgression, you can get it you can go back. You're on step three. If you go a year with no problems, you go back to step two, which is I don't I think that's a little bit more um a little bit less draconian, especially with some of the other stuff. Uh, again, yeah, oh, I, day, I agree totally. Yeah, that's I mean, a, that's a, a reasonable move uh, that you can that, that this uh, regime of testing that uh, that he's had to go through it shouldn't be forever, especially if you have you know uh, as he has what something like seventy positive tests in a row or negative tests in a row since his since his one positive, um, and um, you know you go that long, you go a year, you go two years that you ought to be able to start fresh with a clean slate, and, and that's apparently what, they're, what they've set up. He mentioned, too, you know, we, we talked, when this was all going on, people say, well, you gotta, you don't want the guy to be locked out of the building. You want to keep him around and stuff. He made a, a funny little comment that kind of plays right into that. He mentioned, he said, you know, I can't lie. First few days after I got suspended, I kind of started getting used to being at the house, being able to sleep in late in the morning. And and uh, he, he said it half joking, but it started to warm on him and he had to kick out of that because you can that's part of it. You can get into that. You don't have expectations. All of a sudden, every day is summer vacation again. So but hopefully things on the right track with him. And we are, what, uh, six weeks away from perhaps his return if things are able to uh, stay where they are here. So we'll see if he keeps moving on the right track. He'll definitely add to the Browns offense here heading down the stretch. But I was glad you brought that up because I was going to. I read the article. I said, man, this is a really uh, in-depth interview here that they did for the Cleveland issue 
of ESPN, the magazine, which will be That's available. That's really something. Hey, one uh, other thing I wanted to touch is. on, uh, if I can you know, change the subject on you. Yeah. Uh, I heard you talking with John about uh, the whole Redskins issue and yes. how the federal government Redskins, may be Redskins, involving Redskins. themselves uh, in that. Uh, and I thought it was interesting, and it may or may not be interesting to people that are listening, but uh, uh, when I did an, a long article you know, about a year and a half ago about Jim Brown and, and – uh, uh, I, I did some research into the breaking of the color line in the NFL, and, and uh, Paul Brown, of course, when he when he signed uh, Bill Willis and Marion Motley, was among the leaders there. He wasn't the first one to sign a black football player, but he was among the first. And uh, I think what most people don't really remember or know or have never found out, I didn't know much about it, is that back in the day, back in the early 60s, when, when the uh, color line was just being broken in the NFL, the most virulent racist in the NFL was the owner of the Washington Redskins, a guy named George Preston Marshall, uh, who resisted this whole trend towards the signing and, and using black players. And, and, and I guess what I was going to say was that this is not the first time that the federal government has seen fit to involve themselves. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And an issue regarding the Washington Redskins and what they see as race behavior on the part of the Washington Redskins. Um, back in 1961, they, uh, uh, Stuart Udall was the Secretary of the Interior. It turned out that the way that they were able to force the Redskins to hire black players, to sign and use black football players, was the fact that the Redskins Stadium was built on a piece of land that was owned by the Department of the Interior, and they were able to insert a non-discrimination clause into the Redskins' lease with the stadium to force them, and then uh, new new commissioner Pete Rozelle at the time decided to negotiate a, a uh, an agreement with the NFL that they would fail to they would not do this if the Redskins would voluntarily agree. And over the next couple of years, 62, 63, uh, they finally were able to do that. But there there is another example of the of the federal government saying to the Washington Redskins. Uh, no, sorry, your policy, whatever it is right now, is a racist policy. We're not going to permit it. We're going to pressure you, lean on you, legislate you, uh, bully you, if you will, into changing your behavior. And uh, I just thought that was an interesting uh, a parallel between today and 50-some years ago today when, uh, when essentially the, the uh, federal government was doing a similar thing. Just thought I would bring Absolutely. that up. Absolutely. You know what else you can bring up? Redskins, Redskins, Redskins. I'm going to make sure. That's I was right. joking with, yeah. I was joking with somebody. Right. I said, you know what? I'm going to go out of my way to find a reason to mention the Redskins every single day of my life just because it really it, it drives me nuts from both the sports aspect. And, and look, 
since you brought it up, I'll go here. Maybe I'm wrong. And if you're 100 years old and you disagree with me, send me an email. But I don't think there's a single person in this world who was alive at the time that that was a racial slur, period. Like, I don't know of anybody, and maybe they'll lie to you and say they're one of them. They're the same people that tell you they walk past Chief Wahoo and they feel pangs of guilt inside. But I don't know anybody that hears the word Redskins and doesn't think, well, Bruce was right. Maybe they think potato or they think a football team. That's it. There's no third option. There's nothing else that Redskins You're right, and and, and, uh, I have disagreements all the time with people who, claim to be embarrassed that the symbol of their hometown baseball team is a uh, is a grinning, red-faced caricature of an American Indian. I, I personally feel nothing like that. I, I see nope. that, and I think of, you know, Rocky Calavito. Uh, so, uh, you know, we have, we have we agree to disagree on that, but you're right. I, I, uh, I'm with you. Uh, I have no issue with the Redskins' name, and they're a, a business, but, but like you say, uh, it wouldn't be the first time that the federal government said, no, we're going to use all the uh, tools that we can bring to bear upon you to make you adhere to our idea of what is racist and what is not and what is uh, offensive or insensitive and what is not. And uh, to heck with your uh, uh, freedom association and, and freedom to, you know, do business as you see fit. Uh, so anyway, I just thought I would mention you know- that this is not the, not the first time around this block. Since the Chiefs out there in the ether, I'm just going to mention this. I was watching, uh, I was watching Major League the other day, and uh, uh, Netflix. Just, I, I can't go past it without watching it. Like, I just go, ah, you know what? I haven't watched Major League in about three days. Let me go ahead and pop that one back in. But, but right. you notice the baseball on the cover, the screaming baseball with the mouth, and I said, you know what? We sh- here's what the Indians should do. They want people want to mess with the logo. Just change it from the Chief to a round red baseball with the same grinning visage go ahead and stick a you could stick a feather at the top as a nod to the name indians but from now on it's not a caricature it's just a red baseball grinning with it with a feather coming out of it. but i'm saying there's it, it happens be a way, to have a feather in it happens yeah. to have a feather there but i'm just saying no there has to be a way that you could tweak that and shut people up and say look man here are you happy but it just i did you ever read that article that i mentioned two weeks ago on espn about about the chief I don't believe I did see that. No. Oh, you, and I, I, I don't, I don't remember right. even talking with you about it, to tell you the truth. Oh, yeah. man. Well, I mentioned it on the show. You're right. You weren't on the show that day. It was less than two weeks ago. ESPN had a full-length editorial uh, kind of commentary feature about uh, Chief Wahoo, and they did it. This is my favorite journalistic trick, is they did it from the guise of reformed uh, criminal turned good guy, the guy who used to love the chief, who couldn't imagine his life without the chief, who has now come to realize the error of his ways and the the harm that he's causing other people every time he looks at the chief. And, and he proceeded to talk about how the Indians are embarrassed of it, how in the organization there's a secret uh, mission to eliminate the chief and, and they've gone out of their way to get rid of it and uh, uh, all this. And then how he walked past the chief in the hallway. There's like a picture of the chief on the wall in progressive field and he walked past it 
and he got pangs of guilt in his stomach as he looked at that grinning chief and realized how many people it hurts every time he looks at it. And that was the the gist of this whole article. I was like, get out of here. But they did it from the guise of the guy who used to like it who doesn't so that you could feel okay to feel the same way. Oh, well, he used to like it. I used to like it. Maybe I should change the way I think, too. Well, yeah, and I understand that. And I have friends, and I have uh, fellow Cleveland fan writers, uh, Andrew Clayman among them, who's a wonderful writer and a good guy, uh, who has written compellingly uh, about just that very thing. Uh, you know, he he has caused me, even, you know, uh, <laughs> old guy, uh, you know, traditionalist right-winger me, think about it. Uh, you know, to, to have some second thoughts about it, to understand that for some people it really is embarrassing and the embarrassment they feel is real. Uh, and uh, so, you know, you want to be uh, open to consider the other ideas, and I can recommend no better uh, piece on the subject than Andrew Clemens, uh who, as I say, is a, a, a very fine writer and a guy that uh, I respect a lot, who just has a different view of it than I do, and, and I respect his view. Uh, I, I, we still do not agree. Uh, I, I believe, you know, we have a we have a uh, finite amount of, of outrage and indignation about all the injustices in the world. And right now, Chief Wahoo is a logo of the Cleveland Indians is about number 467 on my list of things that I can be outraged about. It's so far down the list, it is out of sight. And um, there's just so much else wrong in, in, in the world today that I, I cannot muster any indignation about it. I just don't have any. Um, my, my reservoir is full of other things to be outraged about. So, but other people feel differently, and uh, you know, I guess I respect that. I don't know, man. I know there's a lot of recovering alcoholics that may be offended by the brewers because it just reminds them of such a bad time in their life. But I got really, and then, then large people hate that name, the Giants. They're, they're, the Giants. They're just in, I mean, just in, come insensitive. On. It's just insensitive. So anyway, yeah, let's not even talk about the fish. I mean. Marlins, hap, you know, dolphins. There's a lot of fish that could be definitely not happy about their uh, affiliations. Fish, have, fish as well. have feelings too. Fish That's have true. fish are friends, <laughs> not food. I've seen Finding Nemo. But anyway, Steve Wolf was the guy that did the article I'm talking about. I pulled it up here, and it's full of quotes from that. Uh, editorial in the plain dealer back in february where they they also said it's time for cleveland to move on and the the here's the thing is the the headline would make you think that the indians are 100 percent uh moving wahoo out by choice which i know that they are secretly trying to do that but change is happening in cleveland cleveland indians say goodbye to chief wahoo and i'm like well they haven't exactly said goodbye because they know that would tick enough people off that they're trying to keep the 11,000 people currently buying tickets happy because let me tell you of the ones that are left they all love the chief that much i can tell you uh, yeah sure. and and they don't they don't uh, you know they're moving away from it enough that they've taken it off the left sleeve of every uniform exactly you know uh, it, it's it's still there every day on it's every just off game on every player's uniform so they haven't they haven't backed off of it all that darn much they do not use they have definitely in their advertising their graphics, their promos, yep, all the everything same. else. They've de-emphasized it big time. They tried that stupid capital I, uh, script I, uh, a couple of years ago. Now they're back to the Red Sea. But uh, so, yeah, they've de-emphasized it in all their promotional material. Uh, and it is no longer, in many cases, the official logo of the team that you see up against the other team logos that are using that Block C. 
now on, on like MLB and, and other places. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's still on that uniform sleeve every day, every game, home and road. Uh, and about half the games are wearing it on their cap. So, uh, we're, we're not, we're not quite backing away from it just yet. Just so you guys know that, by the way, words can be used both ways. In this same article, in one sentence they say, in a recent Cleveland.com poll, 70% of Cleveland wants to keep the Chief. Only 28% were against him, which to me, by the way, is an overwhelming majority. If you win the presidency election with a 70% to 28% vote, uh, you are uh, that's, definitely... Yeah, that's, that's, one the, of the, that's called a mandate. Yes. That's, yeah, exactly. That That's uh, that's pretty definitive. But in the very next one, they go, well, the phase-out seems to be working. Last year, three of the top four Indian selling hats were devoid of Chief Wahoo. Well, that's because they only have, like, one hat left that has Chief Wahoo on it. The other ones are all Block C. So common sense would say that that may not be the highest-selling hat, you know? Right, right. You've got Come 27 on. different hats about that. And only <laughs> and one of them is a Wahoo. <laughs> and it's still fourth. It's still in the top four. There's one yeah. of all your hats that have Wahoo, and it's still top four. And the way they said three of the top four makes me believe that the Wahoo hat is number two. And they just didn't want to point that out, so it sounded better to say three of the top four. But uh, anyways, that's just, it's funny. You, yeah, check it out. It's Steve Wolf did it. Uh, it's only been up September 14th was when he uh, put this up. Good, so I will I will look that up because I, I try to just devour everything I see on that. I've written an article about it myself and uh, you know several years ago. And uh, again, most every tribe fan is at one point dabbled in the uh, Chief Wahoo debate uh, on one side or the other. So, uh, yeah, I, I try to read everything I can on it just because it's, it, it obviously is of interest to me. And they've got quotes from Bobby D. John Adams is even quoted in it. He goes, man, people see the Chief and they go, oh, you're from Cleveland as soon as they see it. You know, he's like, I'm proud of it. And Bobby D.'s like, hey, look, man, they people tried to tell us to make more money off of Wahoo, but we, we resist going that end of it, too, because we're trying to, you know, be sensitive. But uh uh, he's going through, and, and Terry Francona knows to give the right answer. He goes, I'm not the one that's smart enough to answer that question. All I know is times are changing, but we have really good people. I trust them to do the right thing. That means I'm not saying nothing that you can hold me to either way. But, uh, you know, anyways. Exactly. That's what, that's what the field manager is supposed to say. Yeah, I just I get a kick out of it because, like, you know, even Redskins, which I think is more divisive to people than the Chief, when you see numbers, and I see it with the Redskins too. I'm not going to give you an exact percentage, but the last poll that I saw was pretty much 70-30. It was right around that same percentage. And I'm just thinking to myself, if we're as a society going to get to a place where we are now catering simply to the minority who doesn't like something, then what kind of world are we going to turn into really quick? Because at that point, we joke. I, Bruce in the chat room said, I don't, I don't like religion, so the Padres offends me. You know, when we're joking, but if you're going to get to that level, that's exactly where you're going. Yeah, you're right. It's, um, you know, it, it seems as though we're, we're almost to the point now in this country where we're going to be uh, – you know, burning books uh, because we uh, because someone is offended by something that's in them. Uh, it's ridiculous, and uh, you know, it, it's probably wise for you to not get me going on that topic. 
You know it. You know it. You know, burning books. That's a good point, though, man, because that's what people did when they say, well, you shouldn't be allowed to read this. I mean, I believe that I should be allowed to choose what I read and what I don't. That's where that FCC thing got me hot when I saw that. I'm like, look, you want to tell me I shouldn't use it? That's fine. You're gonna tell me I can't use it. I'm gonna I'm gonna fight you back on that one because you're you know now where are we going at this point? Because next thing you know you'll tell me that uh, you know you don't like the word Saturday, so we're just gonna take it out of the 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 dictionary. I'm just joking, but I mean there's no limit. Like once you go there, you can go anywhere. You can just go anywhere. Well, and and people that are you know it it, it is censorship, I and mean, then people that say we don't have censorship in this country. Well, of course we do. I mean, we have certain mm-hmm. kinds of censorship, especially over the broadcast airways, where you know uh, Channel Five in Cleveland is not allowed to show Debbie Does Dallas at four o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, you know, we, we censor ourselves for all kinds of reasons that, that make sense for society and and our own societal health, but. Uh, when there's a word like that, which is relatively, uh, you know, innocuous, that, that some small group of people has decided is offensive, not to them, but to somebody else, maybe. Uh, but therefore, it cannot be said. Uh, then we're uh, then we're crossing a line that uh, is pretty uh, pretty dangerous for uh, uh, what we call the First Amendment around here. And, you know, I've got, and you know too. I'm not trying to be an old fuddy-duddy. I'm only 35, but I've got a teenage son, and uh, I listen to the music that they listen to. And I'm just saying, realistically, there's a whole lot of stuff that I go. This not only should not should my child not be listening to it. Nobody should, because this is just absolute garbage, filth that I'm listening to here. There's no artistic value to this whatsoever. My point is is that's left up to choice. That's left up to personal choice. But if I want to wear Chief Wahoo on my hat, you're going to tell me I'm a bad person. Get out. Yeah, that's right. And, and and times change. And in 1965, when I was, you know, 13 years old and listening to rock and roll music, uh, you know, uh, Let's Spend the Night <laughs> Together by the Rolling Stones was considered a scandal. So <laughs> it wasn't, they weren't allowed to use those lyrics on the Ed Sullivan show uh, because they were too inflammatory and, and too degrading and, and uh, sexually charged. So, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> things, things do change, but the, the, the arguments are the same. It's just the examples are different. Oh, yeah. I mean, you ever watch those documentaries where they show, like, the old TV shows, how you didn't even realize it if you're watching them, that there, there's, like, two single beds in the in the married couple's bedroom. There's oh, yeah, no... Ozzy and Harriet, yeah. Oh, right. yeah, you know? It's like, hey, you sleep in your bed, I'll sleep in mine, you know? And uh, it, But, yeah, it's the evolution. So I'm definitely not that guy that I believe that it is your right to listen to that crappy music if you want to. It's not my right because I don't like it to say nobody should be able to to listen to it and it's the same point like i don't stand here and go yeah nobody should i don't think you should but if you want to i mean go for it man i mean do what you got to do anyways man let's talk a little ncaa football hey first off real quick what are your thoughts on and never never a bad time to talk about bad things swirling up north uh michigan a lot of things going on there what were your thoughts looking at the way things went down over the weekend with the with the injury and then not not i mean we talked a little bit about it on monday but like where were you as far as do you believe that they were not looking out for the best interests of the of the student athletes I no, in my heart of hearts, I don't believe that there was anything malicious done. I don't think there was anything that was you know did they did they screw it up by keeping him on the field absolutely did do I believe that Brady Hope didn't realize that his quarterback had possibly been concussed? Yes, I believe he didn't know that. I don't think he's a 
heartless, thoughtless guy who thought that he was going to lose the game if he ran his backup quarterback out there for a couple plays while he checked out Shane Morris. No, I don't believe that. Um, so do I believe Brady Hoke? And, and, and when I when he says that he wasn't aware of what was going on, yeah, and maybe, Brady, if you put a damn headset on where you could communicate with some people that can see the field, you know, you might be better informed about what the hell's going on on the field during the games you're supposed to be the coach of. And so I do find fault with him for that, for having this old school, I'm not going to wear a headset approach. Maybe that has something to do with how his team's been performing. But yeah, I believe him when he says he was not aware. Um, I also think for all the people that are standing up on their soapboxes now and standing on this principle, uh, and I'm talking about Michigan people, Michigan fans, Michigan boosters, um, let's not kid ourselves that there's any principle to this other than three losses in September. Yep. You know, let, let's not pretend that there's any high moral value, more principle that's at stake here about the, the mental health or the long-term health of a quarterback. Because if Brady Hope was 5-0, and we wouldn't be talking about replacing him or running him and the AD out of town um, because let's just get real. You know, same thing went back to, to uh, the Jim Trestle thing. Uh, there wouldn't have been nearly as much support for Jim Trestle after he did what he did. Uh, if he wasn't if he if he was one and nine against Michigan instead of nine and one, yeah. uh, he, he had all kinds of backing. Why? Because he was a consistent winner and he won six Big Ten titles in a row. Uh, there were obviously people that felt he he uh, was being punished too severely for for the transgressions he he was responsible for. But bottom line, the record has a lot to do with it. So I just think I agree. certainly if, if Brady Hoke was had not lost three of five September games and they were four and one instead of two and three that uh, the Michigan folks would not nearly be as up in arms about this incident with Shane Morris getting his bell rung on the field. I mean, I agree. And people say, well, how could he not notice? Remember the, remember when uh, Jerome Harrison depleted Colt McCoy and he was concussed? And, I mean, the camera, and there's cameras everywhere on these games, and those cameras sure as hell see a lot more. And I get an appreciation for that doing high school play-by-play because where I'm used to being able to look at different angles and replays and stuff, now I get one shot from far away, and I better see all of it that I can because I'm not getting a second look at it. And that's what it's like as a coach on the sideline. But remember Colt McCoy, it's clear as day to everybody except the guys on the Brown sideline that this guy doesn't know what day of the week it is. I mean, that camera well, yeah. on his eyes. And, and you're right. And that, that play, that single play, that changed really it. caused uh, caused an entire yeah. new way of looking at how the medical staff has to be involved and, and the yep. whole treatment of concussions. I mean, that was sort of the culmination of this growing concern. And all of a sudden it became, okay, we're going to have a whole new protocol in the NFL for the way that uh, players are treated when they're when they take a blow to the head by the medical staff and by you know having to come off the field and this whole new uh, regimen of, of things they had to hoops to jump through uh, both the, after the games between games to get back on the field uh, really stemmed from that hit by Harrison on McCoy that was sort of the the, the, the apex of it all that everything else followed from that because it was so obvious to the television viewer that clearly the communication with coaching staff, medical staff, and everybody else on the sidelines just wasn't there. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. That changed. That really brought all that to the forefront. Now you've got what we've got now. So, you know, you may see some of that too. But I am 100% in agreement with the fact that if they had been performing better on the field, this would be much uh, less of an issue with them there. And, uh, and, and you know, I you, you got to think. 
you've got to think that uh, taking that issue out of it, Brady Hoke is probably not uh, got much slack left on the rope there as the coach before they make another move and uh, once again make some changes up there. Not that I ever mind right. seeing one of the one of the things to think about too is is that they have a new president up there, just like at Ohio State, they they have a relatively new president who's only been on the job a matter of geez months, if not just weeks. Uh, that, that came in from, I believe, Brown, uh, and uh, is is a new person in that president's role at Michigan. Um, even even in the absence of any of this happening, you have to think he may be rethinking his athletic department situation with Brandon in there. Uh, people have been speculating that Brandon's going to go along with Hoke. I mean, he hired Hoke, and if Hoke has to go, then maybe Brandon has to go too. And uh, there are a lot of people though that think that they would not do that. Uh, mid-season, that this is something that's going to happen after the season's over. Other people... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now, the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Or of the opinion that, you know, they, they need to make a move now because this outcry isn't going to go anywhere. Um... I don't know. I uh, I suspect that uh, a school like that is probably going to wait till the end of the season to make a move. But I do think that the house will be cleaned uh, completely, and that uh, they'll bring in a new AD as well as a new football coach. Yeah, I'm with you too. Usually that stuff is you know off season stuff too. They'll finish out the string, and and hopefully a loss to uh, you know you know who helps uh, push them on the way out the door. But uh, and, and I, I don't want them to forget that Charlie Weiss is available. Yeah, again, one, you you said that the other day. Once, once again, you guys <laughs> you can't say it often that. enough, Jerry. You know, I'm telling you. Did you see Harbaugh? He got asked the other day. He's like, last I checked, that job's not open that you're asking me about. So yeah, that's even, that's the correct answer. Yeah. I mean, you're asking me about a job that doesn't exist right now, and it's incredibly bad form if he says anything there. But and then what? You know what? Makes me wonder how many Michigan alumni in the media are feeding the stories of uh, problems between players and coach and front office, and and you make you wonder. I know there were problems there to begin with, but makes you wonder. You know what? Many- I, you know what I heard the other day that was news to me was uh, similar things being said about John Harbaugh in Baltimore. Have you? Are you on no. top of this? See, I, mean, I haven't heard uh, anything. The, the, there. There's there's dissatisfaction, or there's some kind of friction, or some kind of thing with 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 John. Uh, I hadn't heard anything like that, no, and so maybe either. that's maybe that's more of what you're saying. Maybe it's the the media creating a story that isn't there. Yeah, like, we it's need to get a Harbaugh in here. We need to do it somehow, man. Let's put some uh, let's throw some mortars out there and see if 
definitely can cause some things to come loose, I guess, because you're right. I mean, but uh, say, look at all this stuff just keeps coming out now about the 49ers. Now now nobody wants to play for him. Everybody hates him. They want him off the team now. And and like you said, now things are coming out in Baltimore where they, they're looking like a pretty decent team here through the beginning part of the season. Apparently nobody there likes him either. I mean, this is, they're going to get themselves a hardball up there in Michigan one way or the other. Yeah, I don't know how uh, any established NFL coach would would really feel he wanted to go back to the lifestyle of a big time college coach. Um, you know, just with all the eighteen year old butt kissing that you have to do. Uh, you know, spending half your life traveling around the country, sitting in living rooms uh, with uh, with mom and dad, worried about where Junior's going to go to college, and. I don't know. I just I just can't imagine that uh, an NFL football coach who's all about football uh, would have to would want to go back to that sort of an environment where they're where they're doing so much on the recruiting front, and uh, uh, it just seems like it. I, I can't think of examples. Uh, you know, Nick Saban might be the only example of a guy who had a big time NFL job and, and left it to go back to a college job, and um, just happens to be the best college job in the country, but. Uh, you know, um, there aren't very many other examples of people going that direction from from NFL no. coach back to college. No, not unless you really. That's always been your for since the day I was a baby. I dreamed of having this job. That's about the only. Or, or you got, or you that. got fired like Butch Davis well, and yeah. just needed well, needed, needed yeah. some work. You know, he yeah, went back exactly. to North Carolina <laughs> and back to Carolina. got them on probation <laughs> by doing it. Exactly, you know. Hey, real quick, speaking of college, just got the email while we were talking from uh, CSU, which is technically the host school here. Uh, For those of you that don't realize, NCAA tournament, uh, regional, Midwest regional, will be held here in Cleveland, and tickets go on sale uh, in two weeks, actually, for that. Uh, But uh, what's that? The Midwest regional, that would be the... uh, that's the uh, Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Sweet round, 16, right? Sweet 16 round, yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so have a have a final talk about some excitement in downtown Cleveland this spring. Oh, think smoke. about that. Uh, That's March you know, 26th. Add that, add that to the add that to the mix. I got the dates right here. There, that yeah, that's March 20, 26th. And twenty eighth will be the uh, the weekend for that, and uh, that's a Friday Sunday. So right yeah, there, and the week like before we, opening, the week before opening day, uh, Indians opening day. Exactly, that's what I was talking about. You add that to the Cavs and to the Indians, I mean, that's going to be a hot time in that that uh, time period there. But yeah, for those of you that didn't know, the seventy uh, seventh NCAA tournament here will bring part of it to Cleveland. I was there at the queue. Last time they were here, Ohio State played there, but it was the earlier rounds. It was the uh, right. Was, that was the yeah. first round. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. I mean, it was the cool thing about the earlier rounds is you get to see up close eight teams that you probably didn't see six or seven of them in person all season long. Like I got a chance to see because I went to the whole the whole deal that weekend, man. So you you do get to see like a lot of teams that you're not used to. This one's a little different because you're you're in the. Uh, the heart of the tournament there. So, I mean, you're only going to have three games in Cleveland, whereas we had like 12 that weekend of that first week. Yeah, it's great. That first round is great. I've attended that first round in in various venues. I've seen it in, uh, in Charlotte. I've been to St. Louis for a first round, uh, uh, set. And, uh, uh, also down in, uh, Greenville, South Carolina one year, uh, used to go down with a group of guys every year to some, some part of it. And we usually would hit one of those first round venues where you see, uh, eight teams and uh, you know some some really good games. So six six basketball games basically yep. is what you see. Four first round games and two second rounders. 
Yeah, um, this one here. So yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. it's big fun, and it's a you get to see all the all the student bodies, all the different pet bands are there, and and uh, it's such a fast rollover that you that the first day when you're you know you're basically watching two games a day for the first two days. Yeah, that was uh, definitely uh, it's it's big fun. Yeah, it was a fun experience. That was my first chance seeing it up close, and uh, and I enjoyed it. So this one a little bit different for those of you that went to the last one. With it being the regional site, you'll get the two Sweet 16 games, and then the two winners will play each other on Sunday for the right to go to the Final Four. So instead of getting a qu- quantity of games, you're going to get three really meaningful games instead. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun here coming at the end of March. going to be interesting. Talking about the NCAA, let's wrap it up with the Buckeyes. They've got a game, first game, Big Ten play coming up this weekend with the new member of the Big Ten here. First time saying hello football-wise. OSU, Maryland Terrapins here. Noon is the kickoff on this one. Yeah, it's uh, and they started their Big Ten career with a bang last week. I mean, nobody had them beaten Indiana. Uh, I'm not quite sure why, because Indiana's sort of the perennial Big Ten doormat, but they have had a little bit of a revival the last couple of years, and people just sort of assumed that uh, Indiana, again, playing at home, uh, were going to uh, just have their way with Maryland. It was quite the opposite. Maryland took it to them right from the get-go uh, and uh, and beat them up pretty good. Um and uh, they, they're going to have that place rocking. They're going to have a record crowd there uh, Saturday. We're playing on the road, the Buckeyes' second game in, in Maryland this year. Uh, and uh, right now the, the issue comes down to who's going to be playing quarterback for them. Uh, C.J. Brown, their uh, dual-threat guy, their leading passer and rusher, uh, returning starter uh, at quarterback, uh, was injured during that game. And uh, they had Caleb Rowe finish up for him. He did a real nice job. Uh, threw a couple touchdowns and, and uh, you know, played well for him. Uh, Edsel is uh, keeping it sort of under wraps in terms of who's going to be his starter, whether he's uh, got C.J. Brown back. But what you really look for with Brown is if you really do have a, a serious run threat there. He's already rushed for 266 yards, including five touchdowns rushing, including a 75-yard rushing touchdown. So he can run with the ball, a big kid, and uh, – and he's also a you know an accomplished passer. He he's thrown for a thousand yards already and fifty seven percent completion, seven seven scores. So a, a real talented kid playing the quarterback position, and they have maybe the most dangerous receiver in the Big Ten and Stephon Diggs. This was a guy that Urban Meyer wanted in a big way, and and there's no such thing as finishing second in recruiting. But uh, by all accounts, uh, Urban did finish. Uh, you know, he, it was down to Maryland and Ohio State for Stephon Diggs at the time, and. He ended up staying home. It's his home state, and um, he's got 29 catches and, and uh, a couple touchdowns, a 77-yarder, and he leads the Big Ten right now with, with 29 receptions. He's super fast, and he's a big kid, uh, definitely an NFL player waiting to happen, although he's just a sophomore. So they have weapons, and uh, you know, they're going to have a they're going to have a hostile crowd to face the Buckeyes. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a tough game. I. I think the Buckeyes prevail, but uh, it, it's going to be a tough slog, I think, Jerry. Man, I got to tell you, I, I'm i on the opposite side of the final score with you. We'll talk about that in a minute, but you, you brought up the quarterbacks. That's really that's important there because there's such a difference. You brought up Brown. Rowe did well, but they're, they're completely different quarterbacks. I mean, obviously, Brown is much uh, – he's more dynamic. He's the dual threat, as you said. He's able to – on the ground, he's their leading rusher as well. So – 
Uh, and he averages five yards a carry. So that's a, the difference, who's going to end up starting there. But, man, the thing that gets me is not only are you dealing with another potent passing attack, as you just got done describing there, but and you, you still got issues. I mean, Ohio State, Urban Meyer can tell me that I, I told Coach to get it straightened out and we this is not acceptable all you want. But we've had a couple of weeks here that were unacceptable in the early part of the season. That I'm just saying, uh, it's easy in season to say you're going to fix things. Getting them fixed is not always as easy as saying that. And here you got a team that's going to come right after you through the air again. and uh, And you're on the road which is a different uh, beast than dealing with it at home when you've got the crowd working towards your favor. So uh, what are your thoughts, man? But I think, I'm telling you, I think that the uh, the Bucks are ripe for, for, I don't know if you even want to call it an upset here, but I think they go down at the hands of the Terrapins, man. I know Buckeye fans be mad at me for saying that, but my gut's telling me that they're going to have some stuff. I guess it depends. Let's see what they do at quarterback there, but... Uh, I think that the the Bucks are going to have a much more of a fight on their hand than people are thinking looking at this game. Yeah, I don't think the Bucks themselves or the coaching staff is under any illusions about uh, having an easy win on Saturday no. by, by any stretch. I, I think they're uh, they're they're ready for what's going to be a hostile environment. We saw last week, though, Jerry, this this offense. I don't see the Terrapins having an answer for uh, J.T. Barrett and Ezekiel Elliott and the, and the Dunford yeah. Wilson and, and all those weapons, um, I think we're probably looking at again. Last week I, I said I, I looked for a, uh, uh, a high-scoring game and, and uh, you know, 40-something to 20-something, I think is what I said, and it turned out the Buckeyes put 50 up. But yeah. um, I won't be surprised to have a very similar kind of uh, game play out Saturday where, uh, both teams are scoring, uh, and but the Buckeyes just have too many weapons and too much skill, uh, and they're going to summon enough stops on defense to, to come out on top. I'm thinking, you know, 35-21, something along those lines, 34-24 maybe, something in that 10-point in that 10, 10 to 2-touchdown range that's going to be the difference between the skill positions on, on one side versus uh, what the other side can, can put together. So, um you know, obviously, you may be right. They could they they could be walking into a thing, but I wouldn't call it a trap game because you can be sure the Buckeye coaches and and uh, are going in with their eyes open about the uh, uh, after seeing how they really dismantled Indiana last week. They they played very well on the road and and uh, they'll have like you say the benefit of that uh, that home crowd this week. And uh, so yeah, it it'll be a tough game, but I I see the Buckeyes by ten. Yeah, and I hear what you're saying. It could and it could play out too. I mean, as you saw they got into the back and forth with West Virginia talking about uh, Maryland there. So, uh, and, and you could be right. I mean, maybe I'm just uh, maybe I'm gunshot here after Virginia Tech that I'm just looking for the next team that's going to knock off the Bucks here because I just I still see if I was already thinking one or two losses before that, I'm definitely thinking two or three here, man, and I'm, I I hope not. I would hope that they can run the table, and I hope they do straighten things out. I do like the way the schedule fell out uh, as far as the test. Like, you know, you, you come off of something that we just talked about, and then you're going to have the same thing thrown right back at you this week. So you don't have to wait two or three weeks to see if you got that straightened out. You went and said, okay, Chris Ash, let's get this together. Okay, I'm going to get this together. Here comes another team that's going to throw it right at us. Let's see if we got it together. Right. Well, you know that every team is going to be coming out yeah. uh, winging the ball down the field against this team until we prove that we can stop it. Uh, but you're right about the Ohio State schedule. I think they uh, 
they are heading into a stretch now, uh, starting with Maryland, where they've got Maryland, Rutgers, Penn State, and Illinois, four in a row. Not, uh, you know, not exactly the, uh, you know, the, the, the top 20. Uh, Penn State has, you know, proven to be quite uh, pedestrian. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, Rutgers is going to be tough too, but you know, they, they get them in Columbus and Illinois is, is not good. Uh, two of those games, Penn State game and the Illinois game are both, uh, eight o'clock night games on national TV. Actually, they have three national TV games in a row. In a row. Penn State, yeah. Illinois, and Michigan State, uh, coming up from October 25th through the first two weeks of November. Um, and, um, but this this stretch starting now, uh, Maryland, Rutgers, Penn State, and Illinois, you've got a relatively soft stretch in the schedule. Uh, your your rougher games, Michigan State, Michigan, um, are uh, are down the line in November. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I I see him prevailing just because I see that steady improvement of JT Barrett and the, of the offense. And uh, boy, you know, setting a setting an NCAA record for first downs last week uh, made a believer out of me that uh, this offense can can run and they can move the ball against anybody. We'll see how they do against the Spartans. But uh, I might I might make an exception in that case But because uh, they look like still a fine defense. But uh, I don't think anybody's going to stop them short of uh, 35 points uh, over the next four ball games, and I think their defense is good enough to, to win all four of those games. And you could very well be right. And Elliott, you know, that's the X factor, how they run on these guys. And, and like you said, there's a lot of skill pieces over there. Wilson's getting more and more involved each week in the offense. And that's that's somebody that I enjoy watching uh, as he continues to go. Because from the first time uh, before he played, I'm like, man, I've heard so much about this kid. I'm ready to see him get out there, you know. And you kind of wanted to see more of him last year. And now we're slowly seeing his emergence continue as well. So it'd be And JT Barrett did a good job last week obviously uh okay what was he uh was he a handful of yards short of Schleister's uh freshman record there and a great performance from him I think it was was it like five six yards short of the record something like that yeah actually not uh, even that it was 412 and, and it wasn't a freshman record it's the all-time uh total yards in a game record for Ohio State quarterbacks um uh 412 oh, is Schleister's record he had 400 yeah, okay. 409 so not not just for freshmen but for uh, anybody total yards in a game well, there you go. For some reason, yeah. For some reason, I thought that was the total yards gained by a freshman. Uh, I have I that puts better perspective on it that it's the uh, total record there too. I may be mixing the two with a with another one. So, all right, let's see what happens, man. Let's see what the Buckeyes do as they begin Big Ten play. Like you said, they actually get the two newest back to back here with Maryland and then Rutgers, and then that three game stretch like Dan was talking about, three consecutive. ABC, ESPN, 8 p.m. kickoff games coming up with Penn State, Illinois, Michigan State, and two of the three of those are uh, on the road. So it'll be an interesting stretch. It starts with Maryland here. Last thing before I let you go, Dan, Browns game this weekend. Speaking of trap games, do they go to Tennessee and fall for the trap, or do they set one of their own and trap the Titans? Well, I agree with John uh, that it's hard to predict a road victory until we see at least one. Um, and, uh, but I'm going to go out on a limb. I, I think the Browns after coming off the bye are going to be ready. And, and I don't think there's any doubt that this is a must win game for the Titans where the Browns might not be looking at it that way, but you've got to believe that the Titans are looking at their schedule and they've got this one circled as, as, as a W that they've got to have. Um, even with that, um, I, I think the Browns are going to come out and, uh, and steal a win on the road. Uh, come back two and two and, and, uh, be in the thick of it heading into, uh, 
the soft stretch on their schedule or hopefully they can you know win three of the next four after that at least and uh and put some difference distance between them and, and 500 maybe that's uh pie in the sky stuff but uh it's got to start somewhere and i think uh, i think they've got a good shot to get this one on the road because i think the titans are are really a a very mediocre football team there's we're finding out every week that there's quite a few of those in the nfl maybe more than there are good ones but uh anyway and by the way you uh, so anyway my my, my call is for a, a tight browns w maybe the fourth game in a row that that ends on a, a last second field goal you I were going to mention the uh, the guy at Ohio State that got slammed by Anthony Schlegel. Yes. The only reason I only reason I bring it up is what I'm seeing this video on my computer screen right as we speak, where uh, where Meyer actually addressed it and and uh, you heard that the kid lost his scholarship. He lost and, his scholarship. Um, yeah. Through this incident and and uh, and Meyer did finally weigh in on it where he said he 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 was. He was happy that to see you know one of their coaches protecting their players as if the players are under threat by this guy. Um, but uh, but also he he was a little bit cautious about. I uh, didn't want the university to get sued if if, if you know something bad would happen to somebody when they oh, get yeah. slammed to the turf like that. And uh, so he he was looking at it both ways. But he did comment that uh, that he 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 liked to see uh, one of his coaches uh, sticking up for his players. They gave him the award as, as, if, as if they were under the some award. mortal threat. He said we were we were joking about it. We gave him a Hit City Award this week, a, a, a team award for one of the best hits of the game. And uh, but yeah, I'll tell you what. There's not a he's not wrong about that. They will get sued for that, and then some. There will be a court case involving this because you can't walk on somebody's sidewalk and slip and fall without suing them. That's just the exactly right. Yeah, everybody today, fully you know? expects there to be a lawsuit. Hopefully, yeah. it'll just get uh, absolutely get treated uh, treated uh, like a deserves to be traded no for sure absolutely but uh i'll never forget that line i don't know if you ever saw liar liar by jim carrey where the secretary's quitting on him and he's like you know my neighbor she's a nice little old lady and somebody broke into her house and slipped and fell and cut himself breaking in the window he sued her and won she had to pay him twenty thousand dollars for breaking into her house and then jim carrey's like i'd have got him 30 but the point is this is the same he breaks into somebody's house and then is able to sue the uh the homeowner for getting hurt in the process so even though yeah this can, kid, you can sue anybody for anything yeah, anytime uh, yeah no just, business uh, on the field but he's still going to be able to get paid off of it but that hit's going to live forever anthony schlegel man that video and and I, I the memes are the best because they're putting him in different positions it's great man like i've seen some of the wrestling ones where they're just cutting and pasting him in the middle of a wrestling match delivering a move to people and it's great man it just uh people right people that have photoshop skills are what keep us all going on on twitter and uh and that's uh that's what we live for people that people that are doing creative photoshops is what it's all about I got a few of them, Dan. They put my head in all kinds of weird places and send it to me. I had to tell somebody yesterday, stop using that that head. Pick a different one. That I don't like that one. That's a scary one. Pick a different head of mine, man. But uh, you know, you'll have to Dan, show those to me sometime. Oh, yeah. I can show you some good ones, Dan. Yeah, you'll laugh at some of them. Uh, have a good one, my man. Enjoy the Buckeyes. Enjoy the Browns. Enjoy the playoffs. And then we'll come back Monday and talk about all of it. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you Monday. See you next time. Dan Wismar from the Cleveland Fam, my man, always with us on Mondays and Wednesdays. You know what, guys? I'm going to end it on a high note. 
Let's not even take another break. We're going to finish the show here. Don't forget Cavaliers. Well, you can't get tickets anyway, but the Cavs have a scrimmage tonight. Wine versus gold. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Whatever happens there, we'll talk about the wild card, NL wild card, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh tonight, 8 p.m. tomorrow. Kendall Lewis, the BSK, joins us live talking Browns. We'll preview the Browns and the Titans with Kendall. Dan, or excuse me, Dan was just with us. BJ Riddell, fantasy football for winners, coming your way tomorrow. Get you all set for the weekend. And Mike Brandenburg from DidTheTribeWinLastNight.com going to join us for his take on the end of the season. We'll talk some playoffs with him and more. So, ladies and gentlemen, come on back tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel, live at noon here on the Sports Fix. We love you, Cleveland. We'll see you tomorrow. King James, we are not the empire, but this is where the kings play. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Press play on Encore Azaleas and binge watch gorgeous blooms all season long. Encore Azaleas rebloom in spring, summer, and fall, so you don't have to wait all year for the next big show. More compact, more sun-tolerant, and more cold-hardy. With vibrant bloom colors and sizes to fit your landscape, Encore Azaleas are a must-watch. Ready to add the number one best-selling blooming azalea to your watch list? Select your blooms now at EncoreAzalea.com.